Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, my friends. My name is Samuel Savi, and this week on the show... Michael McCall and Alexandre Gangé-Ruzic join us to talk the Max Crepeau situation and give us some off-season Vancouver news. We preview the men national team trip to San Pedro Sula before we break down CF Montreal's week. And we give some well-deserved love to our Minister of Defense, Steph Labbe, who is set to retire. This and a lot more on episode 65 of The Ball is Round. And I'm privileged to be joined by my good friends, Yves Paul and Hadzi Raphael, and honored by the presence on our show of Michael McCall of AFTN Canada and Alex Gangiruzic of Between the Sticks. How are you guys? Very good. Glad to be back on the show. Yeah, yeah. It's your yeah. second time, Michael, man. Yeah, it's been almost a year. I know. Yeah. Time flies, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> We didn't. We didn't. Uh, we didn't play a lot of games against you guys. So maybe that's why uh, you weren't on the pod that often. Uh, Alex, I think it's uh, your first time on the Ballers Round, right? Yep, that's correct. I've, I've done a few shows with Hattie, usually in French, actually, a couple of times. But the first time joining you guys, so I'm excited. I heard great things about the show. I've listened to an episode or two. It's always it's always a, a pleasure. So happy to be here, and it, it's going to be a good time. We got lots to go through, like oh, you mentioned. Man. It, 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 you know, a week passes by in this crazy world of like Canadian soccer, and there's always so much to, you have to choose, you know. And it wasn't something that that was like that before, you know. It's it's so cool that there's news and action going on, you know. So that's perfect. Addy, Eve, you're good. Yeah, I'm we're ready. all good. Good, good. So let's uh, jump right in. You know, there was some huge news coming out of Vancouver this week, and we decided that. You know, we'll get Vancouver's finest on our show to talk about it. Max Crepeau traded to um, LAFC for a million in GAM. Uh, and we'll, and now that we have you, you too, Michael and Alex, uh, we'll preview your season by the same time. So uh, maybe just have your, you know, just a general thought about, about the team, about the trade. Uh, what's up in Vancouver right now? I'll start with you, Michael. Well, I mean, this came out of nowhere as, as far as we were concerned, I don't think any of us had any idea that this was on the cards. Max hadn't come to, to pre-season training. He wasn't there on Monday. We were told it was a, a personal issue. And usually you just don't think much of it when it's your, your starting goalkeeper that, that's not there when there's not been any rumours. I spoke to him just about middle of December and he was relaxed, he was happy, he was looking forward to coming back, he was talking very positively about the season to come. This has just come from nowhere. Axel's kind of indicated that they've known for a, a while now, but I don't know, It's so many things about this just don't add up, and unless Max decides to, to talk about it, 
we may never really know what's behind it. And if it is personal family issues, we don't really have any right to know. But there's a lot of questions. Yeah, Alex, on your side, man. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like Michael says, it was really almost like it's just such a surprise that it's a move within the league. I mean, personally, I kind of wondered over the offseason you kind of hear what was, you know, what Jonathan Azorio kind of mentioned in the offseason saying, especially Canadian players are trying to push for moves abroad for competition purposes. You always kind of wonder, okay, maybe Maxwell had abroad, he'll head to Europe. So yeah. it's more the fact that he's heading to LA. He's heading to not only an MLS team, he's heading to a direct rival, a rival you beat out <laughs> by five points to make the play- playoffs earlier in the year. That for me was the big surprise. I remember earlier in the week when the, the kind of the personal reasons came out, I remember joking to one of the the Whitecaps uh, staff members I'm like he's not in Europe right now he's organizing a transfer right and they're like yeah no he's he's fine but then two days later he's traded to LA that's for me the biggest surprise and I think that's what's really you look at you know what the fan reaction is the reaction amongst the media that's the biggest surprise that it was an internal move within MLS to a direct rival and that's going to be the the hardest part to to you know to stomach I think fans if he moved on to a, a bigger and and better level people be it understand that that's the reality of the sport we see a lot of that in vancouver uh, with players moving on it's just it's going to be tough when lafc comes here for the first time and you've got one of the best goalkeepers in mls who you used to to have stopping shots that's going to be the the tough thing to stomach so i think that was mostly the biggest surprise about this move that people are really you know struggling to comprehend how does something like that happen and, and like michael mentioned until we know the the full story it's hard to speculate you don't want to you know, full privacy to, to Max as, as he goes through the situation. It's obviously not one that he wants to be dealing with. The, the Whitecaps, when they were talking about it, doesn't sound like it's, it's a, you know, a fun situation for anyone. So hopefully all is well with him, but that's certainly going to be the, the toughest part to stomach if you're a Whitecaps fan or if you're the Whitecaps themselves. I guess I guess the fan reaction was pretty unanimous. I mean, Max was, was loved in Vancouver. So how, how was it received in Vancouver that move? Shock and yeah. confusion and everything that goes with it and like as Alex said it you immediately you've made a western conference rival stronger yeah a team that their whole time in the league they've struggled defensively that's kind of what's let them down really they, they've shown signs of getting better but then goalkeeping situation they needed a goalkeeper so because it, it's now because Max is an international Axel Schuster said that they could have gone anywhere in the world to get a goalkeeper, and they were the only team that was prepared to match Vancouver's valuation of a million dollars in GAM. But it, like, if he'd gone to the Eastern Conference, you could stomach it a little bit better, and I think that's how the fans are looking at it. But to go to a team that you're going to be playing a couple of times that could be battling for the last playoff place, depending <laughs> on how things go, he's a difference maker. Without his saves, the Whitecaps would not have been a playoff team. I fully believe that. And as good as Thomas Asal is, I don't think he's ready to be that starter yet. I mean, he'll be good, but he needs a very good defence in front of him. And I'm not quite sure Vancouver's got that right now. We're going to talk about it a bit later, Michael, but I just wanted to ask you something because here in Montreal, the fan base here of CF Montreal is really, really angry because you got Maxime Crepo for 50,000 in GAM and <laughs> yeah. you're selling him for a million, a million in GAM. So when you look at it from that perspective, 
it must feel good, no? Well, it's great business. I mean, <laughs> the, the white caps are criticized a lot for their business side. I mean, this is tremendous business, but only if you spend the money. And the money has spread out over three to four seasons. And with what they're getting in, in season one, all that's really going to get them technically is you can buy an international spot with it because mm-hmm. that's where the going rate is. So I don't think it helps really in strengthening the team because if they are going to strengthen the team, they're going to probably need to look overseas to do that. But yeah, they've made, they've made money, but it's, it's not even real money. It's just funny money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, you kind of segued into where we were going because uh, we wanted to bring you a bit on, you know, last season, this season coming in, and what what to expect now that that Max has left, and there were there were a lot of changes in Vancouver. So, you know, the um, what I would ask is, you know, Vancouver had a had a good twenty twenty one season, a very good one, and they finally made the playoffs thanks to some very good results in the final stretch. Uh, how much did Vanny uh, Sartini have to change after Mark Dos Santos left? Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll hop on on that. It, certainly Vanny was, yeah, he was a big addition uh, to the squad. He was kind of had the, the bonus perspective of being really familiar with a lot of the players, having been the assistant coach before. He was also familiar with a lot of the younger players, having worked in the academy. I think it was just, you know, it was kind of like the perfect storm, say, Vanny, just the way his the enthusiasm he brought, uh, but also the tactics, some of the little tweaks they made. Um, just, you know, switching to a back three, which was, Kind of if you talk to people in Vancouver for a while, you always kind of wondered. They always had the personnel for a back three, but they just, whenever Mark DeSantos tried it, it wouldn't look very good. And you're like, okay, <laughs> scrap it. Go back to a back four. The way Vanny Sartini, you know, he quickly implemented it. He put some new faces in the back three. You know, the acquisition of Florian Youngworth was a oh, yeah. big difference maker. Yeah. You got Jake Norwinski all of a sudden goes from, a, you know, a right back to a pretty good looking center back as, as well. Uh, you know, just Vanny Sartini's little tweaks that he made. And what, what I found was, was the biggest part of his tenure. And I think if you're looking heading into this year, what you want him to keep up is how he got the most out of the bottom of his roster. Because with mm-hmm. Mark DeSantos, there'd always be patches where some players were doing great. They'd be losing games, but there'd be players doing great. But it would kind of be, you know, four, five, six players. And then the, the, the guys on the bench were kind of struggling for form. Uh, whenever you'd rotate the squad, you'd notice a big drop off. Last year, every game, Vanny Sartini would it would rotate, it'd feel like, and they wouldn't miss, miss a beat. All the backups, all the starters, they were kind of on the same page. And that squad harmony made a big difference because Vancouver, one thing that it was, you could, you know, heading into the season, you could talk, okay, maybe there's a bit of a lack of top-end talent, but you could see the depth with there. They, they, they've, they made a point over the last few years of signing multiple guys at a lot of positions. And under Mark DeSantos, they didn't weaponize that depth. Vanny really did a good job of, of doing that. And I think heading into this year, that was uh, that was his biggest asset. And if he can keep that up, it'll make a big difference. Because you look at training camp right now, they've got a lot of bodies, a lot of good players. You kind of wonder who's going to be able to to take minutes. Are guys going to be happy on the bench? And if Vanny can continue to manage that like he did, then he'll, you know, it'll be a big asset heading into this year. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Michael, yeah. anything there? Yeah, I just can't really disagree with any of that at all. What Vanny's done to this team is he's given them an identity. And that is something I think the Whitecaps have been looking for for years. Like when Carl Robinson was here, they did have an identity and it was like a very defensive team that struggled to get much going offensively. Mark DeSantis from day one, I, like I remember after he was introduced, we sat down with him, we had a chat and he showed us all these plans as to what he wanted the team to do. And he showed us videos and, this guy's going to do this, and I want three midfielders to do this, this, and this. Never happened. And whether that was because the personnel that they brought in weren't capable of playing that way, or whether they just ignored completely as soon as they got on the pitch what they were meant to do, I don't know. But Vanny's come in. He's given them an identity. And when, when we spoke to him in December, he said, as far as he's concerned, he's got 22 first-team guys, and that's he, he sees them all pretty level. And that's what he's going to go with, that you need a big squad. You need to rotate those. The rest of the guys may come in and get the odd minute here and there. They'll more be in the MLS2 team. But he foresees a lot of rotation using these 22 guys, everyone to step in. And he's also looking at introducing a second system this season. So it's not just the three at the back and the, the three, four, one, two. He's going to go for something else. What that's going to be, he wants to try it out during preseason. I think ultimately you could be looking at maybe a just a plain four four two, but I, I I don't know. We don't we've got wingers, but we don't play a system that uses wingers. And as Alex said, you've got to keep guys happy. So <laughs> you've got to have a formation at some point that these guys can come in and play. It's it's so funny because we we have exactly the, I think the same problem here at Montreal in Montreal, mm-hmm. but also. Wilfried Nancy said exactly the same thing. We're going to use more than one system this year. So we, we, or we can't wait to see what he's going to do uh, this year uh, in 2022. But guys, were, were, were you surprised by the success that Sartini had in 2021? Does that come like out of the blue for you guys when De Santos left? I, I was. I don't know about Alex, but <laughs> I, I mean, the, the big question was how were they going to do when they got back to BC Place? And to make a run, they had to pretty much win out at BC Place. And they pretty much did. And (laughs) on paper, it looked a big, big task. But when you go into August, bottom of the conference, and then you go and you lose to a CPL team, and then you get rid of your head coach, you're thinking, well, let's just make the, the most of this and just kind of build for next season. But it was kind of like lightning in a bottle. And I guess that is my big fear for this year. It's like, was that a one-off? Did he just manage to capture everything at the right time? Did the players just buy into it? He's infectious. He's so enthusiastic. I I listen to him and I want to just go on the pitch and run through a wall for him. 
can that get sustained for the whole season? I don't know. Was it just that it was a short season? Other teams were tiring. We hit our stride. I don't know. But I mean, I, I was surprised. I don't know about you, Alex. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with Vanny heading into the appointment, I mean, you, you as well, probably, Michael, you've had a chance to, to speak with him a lot. Even before he was hired, you can you, he's, just, he's just a fun guy to talk to. He knows yeah. the game. He was honestly, one thing that I said when he was hired is he was probably the most qualified coach in the club. It's just he never really seemed to have interest in a role like this. There's a reason why he kind of moved to the academy uh, from, you know, the the first team role he had prior. He wanted to, you know, he's more of a long-term kind of visionary guy. You can kind of tell with the the post, you know, the jobs he had in the past where he was working as kind of a coacher of coaches in the U.S. and in Italy. He, he knew the game. There was no doubt he knew the game. He, he, you know, so I, when I when he was hired, I was like, "This is this is good as the interim head coach. I'm sure he'll have some good ideas. It'll be fun." But uh, yeah, like Michael says, you don't you don't expect to, the team to turn around as they did so quickly without really any changes. And I mean, I guess you know that there it shows that there were some pieces there that maybe weren't weren't utilized properly. I guess the fact that Brian White scored. 10 goals and in, in however many 15, 20 games uh, under Vanny shows that there was obviously a lot of, you know, a lot more to be gotten out of him. Uh, obviously the addition of Ryan Gold was always going to make a difference, but even just the way that, that Gold seamlessly fit into Vanny's system that also could have, you know, maybe gone sideways had, uh, you know, he had, he'd not been integrated properly. And yeah, just like, like I mentioned earlier, it was just a surprise to see how well he, the, the most he got out of everyone. Like Michael says, now the big thing is, what happens in the second year? Was it just a case of, oh, Vanny's a nice guy, everyone who wants to stick around, you know, they were just, okay, let's give it a shot, see where it goes. Oh, this is pretty fun. We made the playoffs. Okay. Well, now the second year, you've got a full year. You've got to, you know, you've got to work hard. Not only that, everyone in MLS knows what you're about now. Last year, you're just mm-hmm. kind of these likable underdogs. You're winning home games. People are sort of taking note of you. Okay, these these guys in Vancouver, maybe they're having fun. Okay, now people have a target. Say, we need to beat Vancouver. We don't want to miss out on a playoff spot to Vancouver. They're actually a threat. They have to handle people, you know, scouting them maybe a little harder than they were before, game planning for them. Uh, so I think for, for Vanny, it's going to be a big challenge to prove, okay, it wasn't just a fluke. I think... He's well prepared to do it. I think he's spent all offseason planning. He's he's a likable guy. People will buy in, but it's going to be a real test of, okay, can he now adjust to, to other teams, figure him out? Because we see that a lot in, in, in all sports. You see a coach go on a run, and then sometimes they keep it going, and, and you forget about it, and then sometimes they flash out, and then in five, ten years we'll be talking. Remember those six months we had with Vanny Sartini? Those were those were the best yeah. six months ever, and then you know you forgot about it. So it's going to be interesting to see how he he answers to that second season challenge. That's interesting, Alex. Um, and you know you talked a lot about uh, Ryan Gold and um, and Brian White. Were they really the the pieces that were missing, or were there something else that came in except for Vanny, of course? Kind of a bit of both. I mean, it's easy to look at, at the team and you see Brian's goals and you're like, well, there we go. That There's the difference maker that we needed. But he wasn't brought in to be the starter. He was brought in to be the backup to Lucas Cavallini when he was away with Canada. And he struggled when he first came here under Mark DeSantis. But Ryan Gold coming in, getting back home, seemed to just unlock something in Brian Cava, I'm sure we'll, we'll come to, is just a, a mystery just now as to what on earth has happened to him. But like Brian White, if, if you said to me now, 
Brian White's going to get 12 goals in 2022. I'll bite your hand off for that. Um, that's over a whole season. Take that any day of the week because we've struggled to have guys that score double digits. But yes, if you expect him I'm to familiar keep, with yes, that. Yes, <laughs> I'm sure you guys are. Um, but if, if he was, if anyone expects him to keep up that scoring rate that he had, it's like, no. Because you're talking golden boot, you're talking international call-ups, you're talking probably a move to Europe. I don't think that's Brian White. Again, right place, right time. Ryan Gold has a lot to do with it. But, I mean, the the whole team came together. Alex mentioned there, Vanny's done well at getting the best out of some guys that you maybe wouldn't expect to. Jake Norinsky coming in and basically transforming into a centre-back is a great example Vanny wants Christian Dahomey to be more of a wing-back this year. He said to me that he wants him to play 75% as a wing-back. I don't know that Christian Dahomey wants to play 75% of the games as a wing-back, but that's another thing of, like, you're fitting the best pieces into a team and maybe getting the best out of them. So it's everything combined, but we haven't strengthened where other teams have, and that is a concern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I know kind of you did obviously have a guy who who probably could play wing back in Ali Adnan uh, previously. And, of course, a big part of the turbulent start, if you will, to Vancouver's season last year was the fact that he wasn't with the team uh, while they were stationed in Utah to start the season. Um, so could you could you guys give us any like insight around what was the situation all about where he was separated from the team for just about all the all the time up until he departed and what's he up to now um, I, I think i'm gonna go for a few minutes and come back for that <laughs> answer because <laughs> i think i would have the same problem as Ali Adnan. but let's go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. yeah I mean, I'll, I'll i'll start by yeah, saying yeah let's go for this it was certainly a, a strange situation. I mean, I mean, it's interesting you brought up Ali Adnan because, yeah, I think of it regularly how he would have looked in Vanny Sartini's system yeah. as a wingback. It was a big loss. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's unfortunate. It shows sometimes the reality of the, the world that we live in. But, uh, obviously, Ali Adnan from Iraq. Uh, he has an Iraqi passport. The U.S. just never granted him a visa. And it at the start of the season when the Whitecaps were stationed in the U.S., they needed to get a visa. This wasn't a situation where, okay, maybe for the first few months he plays only in Canada while you figure that out. Mm-hmm. No, you, had to, you were looking at you're spending the next four or five months without your, you know, one of your highest paid players, a wingback who, who can't you know, go to the U.S. and play. And you, at the time, they didn't have any idea of when they ret- would return. You'd hear, oh, they'd be in Utah for the whole season. They'd be there for two months, five months. Looking back, all the projections were all over the map. I think the fact that even... Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They got back when they did in August. I mean, we have to remember the Whitecaps were the last Canadian team by a good, what was it, six weeks to return to, to, to Canada to play. So it was just that that whole uncertainty about the visa and then the Whitecaps, kind of like we saw with this Crepeau trade. Now with the new, you know, the, someone like Axel Schuster at the helm, they're trying to, to do the best by their players whenever they're in situations like this. Maybe before they might have held on to him and just seen, but they realized, okay, Ali Adnan, he has to. He wants to play on Iraq's World Cup, uh, you know, World Cup qualifying squad. The less he's playing, the more you know, the more difficult that's going to be. They tr- they released him from his contract, and for him it was just unlucky because I think shortly after he got released, he went to go play for Iraq. He hurt his groin. He was out for like two to three months, and then now recently he signed in the Danish first division. Uh, I, I might botch the pro- pronunciation. I think it's Vejle Bold Club. I just oh, know them because Mandrick Hart James, <laughs> Man, yeah, <you're> <laughs> former Canadian, plays there. So I was following them already. Spoiler: they're awful. They're they're a genuinely awful club. They're they're in the relegation zone. I think they've won one or two games out of eighteen games. Their their goal difference is in the negative twenties. They've they've lost some games by five or more goals. So it's it's a tough situation for for like Alian kind of club. <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 to go to and he hasn't yeah. played much because he's been injured so he's kind of from where he was at a year ago when he was with the Whitecaps it's kind of been a, a fall downwards and it's just unlucky really what happened with the whole visa situation and then the injury and the contract termination it's, it's a really sad situation even I'd say yeah. I would say though that it's a very suspicious situation you've got a guy that signed a deal and he's been given a visa and he's played and everything's great. Then he goes away for the off season. He's pictured in the streets of Iraq, protesting with the protesters, comes back to Canada, all of a sudden can't get a visa. Now you're not telling me that's not connected. And I don't understand how you can give someone a visa for part of his contract and then turn around and say no. I personally think the league should have done more. The Whitecaps said the league did and the league were pushing, but I, I don't know. There's so many things that don't make sense. The crazy thing was, if we'd got back to Vancouver earlier, they confirmed he'd be able to play the home games. He just wouldn't be able to go and play the away games. That's so hilarious. it's just, it. there's so many more things to it. And there's some obvious things that spring to mind, but it was best for both club and, and player to move on by that point. But it was a big, big loss to us. And we never really replaced him. And as Alex says, you do wonder... Just how good could we have been with him going up that left wing in Vanny's system? Because they were good, but that could have been the difference between making the playoffs and, say, a deep run. Yeah, no, and that's that's the worst part is what-ifs, right? Oh. But nonetheless, you know, I mean, it, it seems like it was beyond everyone's control. So we'll just have to wish him, I guess, the best in his in his new club, which sounds like a challenge and a half. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Speaking of other departures, though, in the last few days, of course, um, along with the the massive news of Kripo being traded to LAFC, um, uh, 
Dical has also been loaned to Vicenza, which I may have pronounced really badly. Um, so what's the reaction around those particular departures as Vancouver has had a lot more outgoing players than incoming? So what, what's your guys' perception of those two departures? And then as well, um, the fan base's perception. At, for Bikel, for me, I I know, Alex, you're quite high on, yeah, on Bikel. Yes. <laughs> I he, he he seemed like the the odd one out in the midfield for how Vanny wants to play. Under Mark DeSantis, Bikel, I think, was the, the starter and Leo Wusu was the backup. But yeah. I think Vanny likes more out of Leo Wusu which then meant Bikel maybe didn't feature as much. And I don't see it as too big a loss, to be honest. It's, I'd like better midfielders in there. And we've got Alexandre that's hopefully going to be fit and good to go. Pedro Viti we haven't seen yet, who's now being described more as a central midfielder as opposed to the attacking midfielder that he was initially when, when he was signed. So I think you've got guys in there. It was a stacked position. If you can make money by moving someone on, I, I think it's good. I, I don't think he's one of those players that fans really cared too much either way, if he stayed, if he went. I, I At the end of the season, we always do a, should we keep him, trade him, release him, whatever. I'd have been happy for him or Ibusu to move on. If they both went, I'd have been happy with that. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, I'd say from one side, it was a very shrewd piece of business. I think they needed to, just like like Michael mentions, he didn't really fit in the system. I think under Mark DeSantos, uh, in that the way Mark DeSantos played, it was a little, little more defensive. Daniel Bikel is a, is a fantastic defensive midfielder. He's a very good tackler. I think he was one of the best tacklers in the league statistically. He's a very underrated passer. So he kind of fit that role of he'd sit at the base of the midfield, he'd tackle, he, he'd move the ball forward. On, on some games when, when Mark DeSantos was kind of running a 4-3-3 and he was sitting at the base of midfield, he was excellent in that role. But when Vanny Sartini came in and, and, and kind of switched to, to a you know the two-man midfield where it's kind of two box-to-box number eights, Bikel wasn't really – he could play that role, but Leonard Owusu – who, who was he was funny under Mark DeSantos. Owusu was almost always miscast as what Bikel would play. He'd often play in Bikel's role, and Bikel kind of won the spot, like Michael mentions, because Bikel was better at it. While in the Vanny Sartini system, where it's more end-to-end, Owusu was better than Bikel at that role, so they kind of ended up swapping positions by the, the end of the year. And, yeah, like, like you know, it, it just made sense to move on from him because he was making a lot of money. He fills an international spot, and... If he was starting or if he was maybe at a different position, you can stomach that. But when you've already got Kyle Alexandre, an international, making a lot of money, you got Pedro Vite, like Michael mentions. You got to remember there's Russell Tybert, who he is an international, but he is starting to make a lot of money as his contract goes up year by year. You've got Leonard Awusu there already, who had such a good year last year. You want to keep him. You wouldn't want to move on from him if he was playing like he did. All of a sudden, Daniel Bikel is falling to, what, fifth, sixth choice. And at that point, if he's that low, you'd rather, you know, let a guy like a Michael Baldissimo get more minutes, uh, yeah. some, you know, a local homegrown who you, you're high on and some other players in that role. So it just made a lot of sense to to, to make the move. And hopefully, if you're the Whitecaps, you, you're going to start root, rooting for Vicenza because I think they were saying it was reported that there's a, a buy option if they stay uh, wow. survive in Serie B because yeah. right now they're in the relegation zone. So if they yeah. survive... There's a buy option, which would be great news because 
Uh, Transfermarkt has the fee at around $2 million, which oh, is a wow. lot of money. So if they can recoup some of that, if it's the full fee, even if it's half of that, you take it. So, you you know, it's, it's a good piece of business. You don't want to just have them rot away on the bench and, and, and cost you money eating up an international spot. So it was a move I'm happy with. I think if there was another MLS team they who could have picked him up, they would have been very happy with them if they had him in the right role. But it wasn't meant to be here in Vancouver. And it was good for them to, to, to capitalize on a chance to move him out. Yeah, and you can't really use him uh, as a right back anymore because I know he he, he was used as a right back in that yeah, system. Yeah, he was good hard. at a right back. Yeah, I quite yeah. liked him at right back. Yeah, but as wing back, I'm pretty sure he can't. He can't. He can't. He's not no. good enough, right? So, uh, so yeah. Uh, now, now we talked about you know the departures. Let's talk about the the the, the players that were signed. You signed Tristan Blackman for four hundred and seventy five thousand. Uh, Gan uh, from expansion Charlotte FC. He was previously with the LAFC, of course. Um, no other player has joined the squad yet. Are you guys worried, or do you think the current squad has what it takes to to have another good season? Um, to be honest, I'm going to be very, very honest and blunt. I don't like Tristan Blackman. He's not a player that I like at all. But you know, I, I, I'm curious to know your your point of view regarding that. I don't know who. Who wants to start? Well, I, I'm i on the fence about Blackman, I've got to say, because I'm not sure. Because like he can play right back, but Vanny's already said he sees him more as a right-sided centre-back in three in the back. And I think he does do better there. He's not a guy that you're going to get much of a, an offensive output from, which you don't need if he's playing centre-back. But if he was going to be playing right-back... I would have wanted a bit more out of my right back. But then if they do go to a flat back four, I'm not necessarily sure that he's the guy that would be playing right back anyway. I, I don't know. I, he's, a, he's a good MLS player. It's a lot of money, yeah. though, that you've, you've given up for it. But as Axel told us during the week, we've got so much gam sitting in the bank. We don't know what to do with it, basically, <laughs> is how it seemed to come across. So if you don't spend it, it's like there's no point having it. So just yeah, just give Gam to 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 them. But as yeah, as this comment says, Gam is useless if you don't use it. It's very true. There's no point. Like when Axel was sitting there on was it Thursday? I I don't even know what days of the week it is anymore. And he's like, oh yeah, well we didn't we didn't need that because we've got so much Gam sitting in the bank. And I'm like, really? Shouldn't we be doing something with it? It does expire, and I don't know what you would want to be doing with it. But like going back to Blackman, it strengthened our defence, arguably. But then if you're playing three at the back, you're looking, you've now got five centre-backs. And if you include Jake Nowinski as a centre-back, which which Vanny is. So it's like, who's your best three out of that? And who do you get the best value from? And I, I think most of us would want Godoy to be playing if he can stay healthy. You've got Ranko, who seems to do well with, with Godoy. I like Florian Jungwert. That would be my back three. So then Tristan doesn't fit in there and you've just spent a lot of money on him. So then does he come in instead of Ranko? Does he come in instead of Florian? I don't know. I I think it technically makes our defensive ranks stronger, but we need to strengthen some other areas of the team. We, we've got enough to... To keep doing it, if we can, if we can still get goals, if Brian White is going to be ticking along, if Kava can get going, that's all great. 
the midfield is probably my big worry, both in what they're going to offer offensively, but also in the cover that they give defensively. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, for the Blackman move, personally, I think I, I like just because heading in the offseason, I kind of, uh, we, we were talking on our show, kind of what what do we see the, the, the needs of the team right now? And the three that we kind of identified were center back depth, left wing back depth, and my, like Michael said, central midfield depth. So while they haven't done anything to, to or not central midfield depth, there's a lot of depth, like a central midfield starter. Say if, you know, they have an okay. open young DP spot right now, if you're going to spend it, I'd personally get a central, you know, starting caliber central midfielder uh, to play alongside Kyle Alexandre. So the fact that they ticked off, you know, one of those boxes with Tristan Blackman at, at center back depth, I don't mind. I think he's domestic. It does cost a lot of jam, but if you, you compare some of the other trades, the one I, we kind of use as a parallel is Walker Zimmerman going to Nashville, mm. who cost, I think it was a million jam at the time. Is he half of a Walker Zimmerman? He's probably more than half of a Walker Zimmerman. That's, you know, that's, that's... <laughs> I think, I think, I think you're generous by saying he's half of Walker Zimmerman. <laughs> I said, he, I say he's more than half of Walker Zimmerman. At least personally, I don't know. I know how do you, you, you've stated your position on. <laughs> So I think, you know, for the role that he fills on paper, like Michael says, the back three, I, I think if you're going off of last year, it's Youngworth, it's Godoy, it's Ranko. You have no complaints about that. Yeah. Nerwinski showed to be capable in a depth role. If you assume that Gianfranco Faccineri and Matteo Campagna are with the MLS second team, they're ready in case of an emergency. You're fine with that. But you kind of needed a, a number four. Uh, number five, especially with Andy Rose gone. And you know what? I think Tristan Blackman, he's, he's, he's an upgrade on Andy Rose. He's younger. He's a bit more yeah. mobile. The one thing that I like versus Andy Rose, because while Rose was a great leader at the back, sometimes playing out the back wasn't his forte. And Vanny obviously likes playing out of the back. Tristan Blackman is very good with the ball at his feet. Yeah. So for mm -hmm. me, he kind of ticks off all the boxes as, okay, he can be the number four, number five. He'll, he'll, he, he didn't cost... He did cost a lot, but like you mentioned, if you've got who knows how much jam the white caps or gam the white caps have. Yeah. Uh, especially and they just got a million more right now. So obviously they've they've got it a lot of it sitting around. Um I, I'm just curious to see where he fits in, in the in the system though, because if he ends up starting, I think he could have some value. I think sneakily, maybe depending on on how Florian Youngworth comes into the season, or obviously we also know how healthy Erica Doy can be at times, which is spoiler alert, not a lot. Maybe he ends up having a role to to start the season. So I like the the Blackman trade. I think in terms of do they need more offseason acquisitions, I'd say if they were to start the season tomorrow, you want some left wing back cover for 100%. I think that's why Kwame Awuwa of Forge has been brought in. And I think unless he has a disastrous trial, which from what I've seen from him in the one session I went to, he looked great. And, and the people have talked very highly of him so far. I think he's going to sign. And then in that case, I'm, I'm fine. Like I mentioned, bucket list, yes, I'd like to see them go hunt down a young DP, use that international spot they freed up with Daniel Bikel's departure. You sign a new starting midfielder to throw in the mix. Boom. But I think otherwise, the acquisitions are fine. But also now we have to talk about the fact that they need, you know, they might need some help in goal now that they've yeah. traded away Max Crepo. Because I'm talking as if this was a week ago and we thought Crepo was staying. So there yeah. is also a need in goal that we have to talk about. And right. Evan Newton wants away now as well. So. Thank so. you for this. Thank you for the transition mm -hmm. for the next subject. And we're going to start a debate, okay? <laughs> uh, for those who listen to, to the show uh, quite often, I'm someone that really likes to, to really bother Eve 
and and always say yeah. the same sentence 20 million times during the same uh, the same <laughs> and i always say play the youth so guys there is a rumor right now with yeah. the white caps with milan borian that could sign there as a goalkeeper um that it's a rumor it's it's still there i i'm not sure it, it's it's really necessary in my opinion because i always say play the youth and i i don't really agree with you michael i think that thomas hassal should be a starting goalkeeper uh, this year because if he doesn't get playing time he's never gonna get better he's never gonna, you're gonna have another james pentemis uh, yeah. at 24 25 who's only making had one season exactly one season in, in in the book so right now the debate is if you have a choice between hassal and borian knowing that Borian is taking, of course, some some sort of salary for sure. Who would you go for, Borian or Hassal? I'll let Michael start. Borian every day of the week, <laughs> but that's not happening. Axel, <laughs> Axel's already denied that he's okay. coming. So <laughs> not yeah, happening. Borian. Oh, wow. As simple as that. Okay, yeah. perfect. Alex. I'm going Hassal. I'm yes. going. Uh, Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. Play the youth. <laughs> I, I like. I think I like Boyan a lot. He's the Canada goalkeeper. He's got the pedigree for me. I just, you know, he's not good with his feet. So if I'm if you're the Whitecaps mm. and you're going from a guy like Max Crapo to a guy like Milan Boyan, it's gonna be some growing pains. And Milan Boyan is already in his, his mid 30s. Thomas Hassal. To be honest, when he came in MLS, he wasn't good with playing the ball at his feet. He was 21. Yeah. You don't have to be. He grew a lot in that area of his game last year. I mean, it's kind of one thing to say. He's, he's a goalkeeper. His job's to use his hands, not his feet. So, you know, it's a bit of a useless point. But I just like where Hassal is at his age. Uh, personally, I'd love to see Boyan at TFC because in my head, I have a scene where you have Brez and Pentemis over in Montreal. You have Boyan at TFC. You have Hassal over in Vancouver. You have Crepo down in L.A. It would be fantastic. to, And, you know, hopefully Dane Sinclair finds his way in Minnesota. I'd love to see all five at different teams playing. Yeah. So then we could oh, have the that. easy comparable of, okay, who's actually doing better? Because now in the debate of Crepo versus Boyan, it's easy. Oh, Boyan's playing at a higher level. He plays in the Champions League. At least that's in Herdman's eyes how he views it. I don't necessarily agree. Well, if they were all playing in the same league, it would be pretty fun to see in this year ahead of the World Cup who would actually be the better goalkeeper, the better three goalkeepers, and who would deserve to be in the squad, assuming they make a World Cup knock on wood and all that. So that's my my dream scenario. But uh, in terms of Hassal over Boyan for the Whitecaps, I'd pick Hassal. I love I love that. I love like I love your 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 answer because really, if we get Crepo, Boyan, Pentemis, or Breza. Uh, Sinclair having a starting uh, starting job that would be amazing for the Canadian national team because I think they'll push each other they'll they'll just push each other to achieve you know even to be greater and to be better and and I think it's going to be awesome for the Canadian national team one small question a follow-up question on that if Marco Carducci comes to the uh, to, to, to the Whitecaps would you guys think he could cool. go ahead of Thomas Asal who <laughs> wants to start that's a, that's a tough one well <laughs> see I, I was talking about this to the guys that we do our show with, not on the show, but we're just chatting in our in our group chat. The, the thing is, the Whitecaps have already come out and said Hassal's a number one. Nice. So they've now stated that. So if you're bringing in a second keeper, you're basically saying to that keeper, you're not really going to be playing unless Hassal gets injured or has a bad run. Maybe or cup somehow, games. Yeah, cup games. 
maybe one cup game, depending on how we play. <laughs> it's, it's hard to tempt a good keeper to come. So why would Marco Carducci or Callum Irvin give up being a starter in the CPL to come and just be a backup? Yeah, you're playing in MLS too. So unless you want to go down the Mo Farsi route of, well, if I'm in a, uh, an MLS 2 team, I've maybe got a better pathway to get into MLS than in CPL. I don't think a goalkeeper is going to do that. And they've both just signed new contracts as well. I would have taken either Carducci or Irvin ahead of, of Thomas Asal. And I don't want this to come across that I don't like Thomas Asal, because <laughs> I do. And I've watched Thomas Asal come through the academy ranks. But I've also watched Marco Carducci coming through the academy and I've watched Callum Irvin coming through the academy and I know what good goalkeepers they are. And I just feel where they are in their careers right now, they would be the better goalkeeper for the Whitecaps. And yet, Hassal has to somehow learn and get minutes. That's what this MLS2 team is for, in my view. And if you've got two young keepers that were given a fair shake... I think you could bring someone like Kaducci in. But as, so as soon as you said Hassal's our number one, I just think it makes it hard to get that. The guy I think we might make a play for, though, I don't know how you guys would feel about that, is Jonathan Sirwa. Because oh. <laughs> do you go and say to him, do you want another season with Valor? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Or do you want to come and challenge Hassal, but you'll be getting these guaranteed minutes in MLS too? No. Oh, that's unfair. He's 18, man. He's 18. He's not 21. First of all, he's 18. He only has a CPL season in the books. That's all. Never had one start in MLS. I don't think I, it's like apple yeah, and orange. A, a very good season, though, Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. Very good one. Yeah. Yeah. Keeper, of the, year. keeper of the yeah. year for good reason. And you know, no. we we've seen what it what happened when we kind of you know let our keepers to their own devices, and you guys you guys know it more than us. Almost in Vancouver, so yeah. I mean, and, and we had is, him for one game in the MLS's yeah. back yes, thing, so true. we've got that connection. He's already back. Yes, up Thomas exactly. He knows <laughs> the squad intimately. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, if if this was was a situation, um, yes, I would go with Jonathan Sirois. I, I'm I'm someone that really wants to see the young players play, get minutes, and get their chance. You know, and and unfortunately in Montreal, we we didn't see that a lot uh, in a, in the last few years. Maybe you know last year and this year a bit more like uh, 2021 and 2020 a bit more but like it's not enough we need yeah. we need those young players to have minutes 
uh, even if it's like 10, 15 minutes at the end of the game for, you know, field players and for goalkeepers. Yes, they have to get minutes. It's not normal to see a goalkeeper get a starting job at 24 only. It's just not normal. So, yeah, I would go with uh, with Sirois if we were in that situation, but we're not. So, <laughs> I mean, to, yeah, to hop on your question, the original question, Carducci, yeah. Hassal, I think if, if you, you know, like Michael says, the situation is complicated, but pretend Axel Schuster doesn't say all that. Yeah, I'd take uh, Carducci just because he has the, the, what is that now, three years of pro experience with Cavalry plus he also had experiences in the, the old white cap second team back in the day. So he, he's got the pro experience. He's a great goalkeeper, national team call-ups. I'd take him right now. And that's not a slight on Hassal. I think that would be a fantastic partnership to kind of push each other. And maybe it turns into a 1A, 1B type situation. Uh, who knows? But like you mentioned, it's I'm happy Michael brought up Sirwax. I was going to bring him up if he didn't. I mean, if you're the white caps, you have all this supposed extra gamp. Could yep. you not just call Montreal and be like, 200K for Jonathan Sirois, take it or leave it? So you're no. Montreal, and it's your third goalkeeper. It might be tempting to take a, a no. lot. I don't think so because the, the errors I of the past have like burned. painted so much. Yeah. 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 I, uh, and I think, I think they'd riot because my opinion <laughs> is, you know, no, I mean, you know, Montreal fans are supporters because really – you know, n- none of the architects of the Maxime Crepeau to Vancouver trade are still with Montreal. They, they've all departed for good reason. Yeah. Um, but Montreal fans have not forgotten. They still talk oh, and talk yeah. and talk about it as though it is a wound as fresh as yesterday. And I think, you know, most Montreal fans as well are wise enough to know that James Pentemis Unfortunately, his progress has suffered from a lack of playing time. But they see Jonathan Sirois getting loaned out and getting a full season in with yeah. Valor at age 18. And I, I think, my opinion is, a lot of Montrealers are kind of like, okay, James Pandemis is here, but Jonathan Sirois is coming in hot. So I don't think they would tolerate um, another, another instance of Vancouver swooping in. Yeah. Chan with an interesting <laughs> comment. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. wants Pentemis <laughs> to be loaned to Vancouver. Would you guys agree with that? I mean, I, there's no chance you get Breza just because he's on loan from <laughs> yeah. Bologna. But I mean, yeah, Pentemis isn't a, a bad shout. But yeah, the Sirwa one, it's a good point, Eve. I think certainly if Montreal makes that move, it's a disaster from a fan standpoint. I agree. I'm just wondering if you're Vancouver and you have all this supposed extra gam, could you not? You know, because the, the thing is with Syrah, it's gonna. It's if you're Montreal, it'd be tough to to gauge because while you obviously want long term, maybe in two three years you see Syrah as a starter. If mm-hmm. someone comes and pays way more than his market value now, you can't at least help but listen. So maybe if two hundred k is not enough, you throw 500 k. All of a sudden, that is very tempting. And it's if they do that, that's a risky move for Vancouver. It's a risky move for Montreal. Mm-hmm. I just think if 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 the guy like Syrah, what he's shown, I think it could be fun if you're vancouver to maybe you know call montreal make them sweat a bit with an offer like that just put it put it on the table and kind of see okay what do they what do they view you know what how do they yeah. really view sirois because like michael mentions having a goalie of sirois caliber it's too bad that the white caps they kind of they have a guy like max anchor who maybe in a year or two after the mls next two he could be the next uh, jonathan sirois uh, you guys might hear about him a lot more in the future he's trained with the first team he's i think he's just turned 18 or he's 17 he's a great goalkeeper from what i've seen He's not ready. So a guy like the Whitecaps could use a guy like Sirois where he's 18, 19, has 
that that year or two of pro experience in their belt it would be tempting to at least look at it while they uh it, because if not it might just make sense they get a veteran and then they have anchor be that guy in two years anyways Listen, if Blackman is worth four hundred and seventy-five thousand in GAM, I think Sirwa is worth a million with the potential <laughs> that he has. So, <laughs> okay, so that, would, that would bump Krepo up to three million. In that. I would say, uh, slight, yeah, no, no, I, I definitely think you know they would. I, I don't think the wool would be pulled over Montreal's eyes for a second time um, from a business standpoint. So. I, I think it was a very, very, very interesting offer for Jonathan Sirois, but it, it would be, again, for development of Canadian keepers, it would definitely be a super interesting move. Uh, completely agree. Yeah, and don't, don't forget, you know, our, our current administration has a completely different view of MLS talent or in, ingrown talent than, than Rémi Gard had. You know, Rémi Gard, I, I don't think he had that much respect for... for for MLS, the, you know, uh, graduates of, of academies. And, you know, we saw well, also what we do in, um, when we went to draft, you know, we would pass uh, all over the place or just trade our first round picks so, uh, you know, every year. So I think the administration right now understands uh, the talent that there is in, in our country and uh, would treat it much differently. So even with 200K, 250, 300K of Gamma, I, I'm pretty sure they would they they wouldn't uh, give Serwa away, no? Also, with the Crepeau situation, there was the whole Mark DeSantis aspect, which, yeah. again, has come into play at LAFC. Yeah. You have to, to think, so, yeah. And there was there was Evan Bush, too, who was, was doing mm. good at that moment. He was doing very good, and we had Clement Diop, you know, not far, you know. It was a tough one, but still, you know, it, it's not a good look, you know, a couple of years later, so. It's yeah. easy to say afterwards, though, for sure. Exactly, exactly. Like I said, you know, Montrealers have not been able to let go of it. But anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Um, just a, a quick question regarding kind of the other end of the field at Stryker. Obviously, uh, we did touch on it a little bit earlier. Um, you know, Brian White came in halfway through the year last year, and he had a very, very respectable return, you know, 12 goals in 26 appearances is is great for a Brian White who's not expected to be your striker and then on the flip side we have Lucas Cavallini who was club record signing in 2019 Canadian international you know it's on paper it looks like the the best player you could possibly have recruited at the time but unfortunately it just has not come off for him um, in Vancouver since he's arrived he's only tallied nine goals um, since his since his arrival in Montreal or in Vancouver unfortunately so my question to you guys with knowing that you know Ryan Gold is there to provide a full season of fantastic service who knows what's going to be coming in across us from the wings we don't know yet obviously but nonetheless is it going to be Brian White's season as the starter because he earned it last year or will Lucas Cavallini be given a shot at redemption and uh, since we started with Michael last time, maybe Alex, let's hear from you. All right. I mean, <laughs> it's a very tough question, uh, Eve. It's, it's a good one because it's one we're also wondering a lot in Vancouver. You ask people. I think to start the season, I think we'll see Brian White. I think it's only fair after, you know, after last year, at least maybe not the, the season, even just preseason, that we'll, we'll see White. Uh, just, you know, he scored all the goals. He fits the system. But I think long term, 
I do want to see Lucas Cavallini this year. And I do think that he has something up his sleeve. I just think he needs to find some consistency last year. He, it was, it was rough with the injuries, the Canada, you know, the Canada situation. And then he got injured possibly at the worst time because that was the time when Ryan Gold came in and he didn't get a chance to develop the chemistry that, that Brian White ended up, uh, you know, developing with Ryan Gold. So I think Lucas Cavallini, I, I'm, I'm going to go Cavallini over the course of the year, can f- find his form. He, he looks motivated. I think he, as long as he puts his injuries behind him, he realizes this is a World Cup year. This is kind of a make or break year. You know, Canada's getting all these guys in. Two months ago, for example, Ike Ugbo wasn't in the picture. He is in now. Who knows? What if Daniel Jebison gets in the picture, say, as an example, all of a sudden Cavallini falls down the depth chart. He's not in the World Cup. That would hurt him a lot. So I think he's going to come in as strong. And I think over the course of the year, if he gets a chance, he will take it. If you're the Whitecaps, I mean, it's a tough situation you pick. Do you, you, you pick White, you pick Cavallini. There's been talk of playing both together, which could be interesting, could, could work, could not work. Uh, but if I'm going to go between the two, I'm kind of banking on Cavallini just because he's going to get his chance. And I think he's such a streaky scorer that once he finds that first goal, he'll find a few more. And then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll start to remember the the Cavallini of old. But who knows? Soccer is a weird sport. Maybe Vancouver just isn't the, the spot for him. He'll be cursed and it won't work out. But uh, I'll go with Cavallini. Fair enough. Michael, what do you got to say? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, kind of the opposite. I, I think they're, they're both streaky players. And whoever goes on a good run is going to get those minutes. But you've also got Diber Caicedo. I want to see him somehow involved in this team. And my dream would be White, Caicedo, Gold behind them. I think that would be a fantastic front three. I think we will see both Kava and White to start off the season. And then it's up to whoever performs best, the two of them, I think, that's going to hold on to that position. And then Kaiseido will slowly kind of take over. I'd like a tall striker to play beside either Kava or White to kind of knock the ball down to them. Because they're both best in the six-yard box. I'm like, there's has an idea for you. There's a, there's a tall striker located here in Montreal, actually. Um, you know, he's definitely experienced. He's got a lot of a lot of goals in his boots already. Just if you don't look at last year's stats. So you'd you'd want to keep him, obviously. Though. Yeah. No. That's the thing. Why, why would you get a guy like that up? He's um, only a time player, you know. He, he doesn't cost much, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe if you attach Jonathan Sirois. Yeah, <laughs> you can dream, Alex. You can dream. <laughs> Actually, I might be a smidgen more amenable in that case. <laughs> I, I, I think. I sacrifice him. <laughs> I do agree with Alex, though, that yeah. like Kava cares more about the national team, mm-hmm. I think, than club teams. And yeah. he wants to be at this World Cup. And the only way he's going to get there is if he is in form and scoring goals. 
I don't think he'll be at the Whitecaps past the summer. I, I think he'll go. I think there'll be a, a transfer. I try to think of who might want to trade for him within MLS, and I don't know Probably if anyone Montreal. would take him. <laughs> You're wanting to, to negotiate a swap deal here? <laughs> we give you Kava, we take a striker and a goalkeeper, maybe? <laughs> Yeah, we'll give you. We'll Can definitely you, offer we'll you the striker, but not Tiroir. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a word with Vanny at training this week, won't we, Alex? We'll, we'll, there we'll you get go. This we'll get in his ear and let him know. Start with Yeah. Kappa's no, not but... going anywhere, we keep getting told, but I, I genuinely think he will. I think he'll end up back in Mexico. Yeah, yeah that's oh, what I was thinking. Yeah. He'll, he'll yeah. be El Tanque again. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move on with the last question regarding the, white, the Whitecaps. What is the objective for the Whitecaps this season? Uh, will the club and the supporter will it be satisfied with making the playoffs only, or is the goal making a deeper run, maybe silverware? What do you guys think? Maybe like What's past the, the first round of Canada Championship. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no Pamaduka this year to uh, to to eliminate. You, so you might have a chance. I'm joking. Cavalry's still there. Don't forget that. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah, Tommy's <laughs> already done us in the past. So. True, true, true. It's Edmonton's time now. Alan Koch will come and knock us out. I oh think. man, uh, I, I'll be very embarrassed if Alan oh, Koch can win a game against you guys. Uh, oh, he he will be up for that if he gets to play. I'm pretty sure. I I think we've got to be looking at the treble, supporter shield, MLS Cup, Canadian Championship. Whoa. Anything less. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm obviously I'm I am kidding. What's in the air over there in BC? <laughs> Maybe MLS two championship. That might be our best chance. Uh, even then, I doubt it. I, I think if they make the playoffs. I'd be happy with that. You want to you want to go further than last year. I, I I genuinely feel last year was a waste in the end because you, you look at how those playoffs played out, and if we'd got past Sporting Kansas City, I fancied us to yeah. to make a run. And I, I do feel it is a bit of a wasted opportunity. But I think that uh, that was us at our peak. If we get into the playoffs without strengthening the team any further, I think that would be a big achievement. And Canadian Championship, it's all. It should always be. We keep getting told the club value the the Champions League, and they really want to be in that competition. They don't look like they do, but that defeat to Pacific that was a strong team to put out. Yeah. So yeah, why? If, if we didn't make the playoffs and we won that, I'd be happy. I don't think the general fan base would. I think they would probably want a deeper playoff run. I mean, yeah, I think for me, yeah, I think if you're looking fan base wise, I think playoffs is a must just because it's, you know, it's a North American thing. You just want to get in the dance. Anything can happen. I think internally they want to host a home playoff game, uh, which is obviously, you know, the, the buzz that would create. We saw it last year when they just had that, that last game against Seattle, which wasn't a home playoff game, but it was a win in your in game. The city showed up for that. So they kind of want something like that. I think personally, Myself, I just think make the playoffs. I'm looking at the West next year. You've just strengthened LAFC, who obviously they have a new coach, so maybe they won't be as good as we're maybe thinking in our head, but also they're still LAFC. They've got any team with Carlos Vela, and obviously if Chicho Arango keeps playing like he is, uh, you know, and and there's also Nashville's in the West we keep forgetting. They're not going to be an easy team. 
LA and they've Galaxy got a lot of game in town to spend this as well. <laughs> oh, exactly. Obviously, Montreal helped uh, contribute to to a good percent of that with the the, the Alistair Johnson mm-hmm. trade. So you got Nashville to worry about. You've got a year of you know second year of Greg Vanny in LA Galaxy. That's going to be a worry. You got you know another year of Austin starting to figure things out. Yeah. The West is going to be a dogfight next year. So I think personally, if you just make the playoffs, go from there win around i think it's a goal it's it's such a crapshoot though with the the new one game playoff i know man. series oh, because I you see with seattle seattle was nice. excellent all year and then you yeah. lose in the first round your season's a wash so i think Not personally shot, just win around in the playoff and then like like michael says the canadian championship is a must i am so curious to see how vanny sartini handles it because if we're going to go back to what we said at the top of the show we talked about you know his rotation I think that's going to be one area where this is going to come in handy because Mark DeSantos, for whatever reason, it, it just didn't work out for him with cup football, even though he wouldn't, he wouldn't rotate the squad. It didn't work out for him. I think Vanny Sartini is going to have a better way of approaching these cup ties, no matter who they play. I think if you look at their, their squad, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to, to compete for, for the Canadian championship. Obviously they should be beating CPL teams. Forge and Pacific will always give them their, their run for their, their money. You look over at Montreal and, and, and Toronto, there's no reason why, you know, last year the Whitecaps were the team that had the most MLS points among the three. Uh, Toronto's got a new coach. Bob Bradley, obviously, he's a good coach. He'll figure things out. But unless we're seeing Lorenzo and Signe grace the fields of the Canadian Championship, I think Vancouver should have a shot at, at, at you know, at least going to the final. I won't yeah. say winning because it's, you know, Vancouver, you have to take one step at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they got to stop, you know, they got to stop losing the CPL teams in the first round before, <laughs> yeah, you know, dreaming good. of lifting silverware. So I'd say <laughs> final of the Canadian championship, win a playoff round. I think that's a great season. You're writing about how that was everything that you expected and more. Nice. Very nice. That kind of rounds up our Vancouver uh, preview, guys. Thank you so much. Um, guys, we'll keep you because we have some uh, Canada news uh, and a lot of talks too. So uh, I'll jump right into the men national team um, traveling to San Pedro Sula uh, for uh, the game away on the 27th. The roster will be announced tomorrow on Monday, so we don't have the roster, but we can speculate a bit, guys, and I'll go uh, one after the other. Um, do you expect a pretty similar roster? We know that Davies is out, uh, Estacchio is out with covid Um, do you expect uh, a lot of differences in that roster? Any surprises or pretty much one third or two changes uh, for those who are out uh, right now? I'll start, I'll start with you, Eve. So obviously, you know, we're going to need to compensate for sure in the midfield, um, notably for the lack of Steve Nustakio. And funnily enough, we have our, our friends from Vancouver here because I was not wondering if maybe Russell Tybert could somehow find his way back into the squad. I don't know. Like I'm dreaming. I'm like, who maybe he's, he's kind of got a leadership type mentality veteran, you know, Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of head shaking going on. I mean, t- two months ago, I'd take it based on the form he was in. He was genuinely yeah. in great form. I just think already in it's the off season. You, yeah, you know, you might, might be a bit. It's just there's a move where you'd rather take guys in Europe yeah. or in form. And it's just no, unlucky completely. for Russell Tybert. If it was two months ago, he would have been in with a lock. But that's just, you know, the yeah. reality of it. No, I, I, I agree with you there for sure. But no, 
Overall, though, like I don't expect too many surprises other than hopefully a midfielder, a uh, central midfielder of, of note of surprise. I'm, I'm curious because I know that Alex, you follow a lot, you know, the uh, European soccer where Canadians are involved. And, and we're talking a lot. And there's a lot of talk around uh, Mitrovic uh, that could be someone that could slot in. I, I think he plays a bit. Uh, you know, in an attacking midfielder role, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm curious to know your thoughts about him or Harry Patton, who could be the second the second option, the two young guys that we don't really know much about. Uh, can we see those two slot in for Eustachio, not as a starter, but as a fifth, sixth midfielder in the squad? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think it would be certainly a good move to bring them in. I think Harry Patton, he's more of a, a number eight so he yeah. could be closer to the Estakia replacement, kind of more of a an attacking number eight. Met- Mitrovic is, yeah, he's more of an attacking midfielder winger, which isn't a bad thing to have in the squad. I'd certainly take him. The problem is with Estakia, it's just there's there's almost no one in the pool right now who kind of provides what he does because yeah. he's the number six who he's, he not only does he defend, which, you know, you got guys like Atiba Hutchinson and, and Samuel Piet who can play that role, but the, the way he attacks, Piet and Hutchinson just don't really – have that in the game. Hutchinson does, but he's, you know, he's, he's 38. You can't rely on him to play all three games like Eustachio would. So I think it would be good to bring in a Mitrovic or a Patton because of depth. And I think with this news, we'll probably see one of them. Uh, but otherwise the problem is for losing Eustachio. You almost, people are saying you, you're almost happier losing Davies, not because you want to lose Davies, but you have closer like for like replacements. Exactly. Whereas there's, there's no one who replaces what Eustachio does. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Seriously. Uh, you know, I thought about Mitrovic and, and Patton because they're, you know, in the middle of their season. So I think there'd be, you know, more match ready, but for me, someone that really has to be more often within, within the team is, is Noble Okello. I think that this player uh, mm-hmm. From TFC is 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 has a bright future ahead of him. Uh, he's he reminds me a bit, and you know, of course, it's he's really far from that level. But he reminds me a bit of Abu Dhabi in his good days. I think he can reach that potential. He can reach that level at one one day if he continues on yeah. working hard and be and be that kind of of player that really plays a bit deep, but is able to go more, to go forward also. Abu Dhabi used to go a bit forward a, 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 a bit more often. Pretty sure, Michael, you remember Abu Dhabi, the, 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 the good Abu Dhabi, not the one that's injured, uh, that, that's been injured for like five years uh, in the last five years of his career, right? Yeah, I, I think you've probably got more chance of having someone like Akela because I think it might be a domestic guy that they add for that depth. Just because 
I do worry that there might be a couple of surprise emissions on this. And it's easy then to just put it down to COVID or whatever or travel. But someone like Patton, Ross County are in a relegation fight just now. Mm. And I'm pretty sure they're not going to really want their guy flying away for a, a couple of weeks and little niggles suddenly appear or injuries or, mm-hmm. oh, he's had this test. We have to wait and see what the results mm-hmm. are. I think we'll, there could be a few surprises and I think it could be bulked up by MLS guys or CPL. Well, it's good. I'll, I'll hop on that point because it's a good one from Michael and it's something I've been researching. This window is such a complication because for the first time, you know, in a while, a lot of big leagues aren't pausing for this break. So it, mm-hmm. they do have to release their players. It's an official FIFA window. But because UEFA isn't actually having a window this time, all the Europe, a lot of the European leagues, I think it's, you know, just the Premier League, uh, the, the Bundesliga, like the big leagues are stopping. But the Portuguese league is still going. Uh, the Scottish League, like Michael mentions, the Belgian League. Canada has a lot of players in those leagues. Right. So I also do wonder if some teams are going to flex their muscle. Because, yes, they're mandated to release it. But, yeah, if you're Ross County, you say we're in a relegation battle. We want to keep Harry. Canada says we want him. Well, what's to say, you know, in, in, in three months when you need Harry Patton, all of a sudden he's conveniently got, you know, ankle injuries every time mm-hmm. the, the, the window comes around. Or he's, I guess now you say he's got, you know, he's in COVID protocol or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So you... If you're Herman, I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why we've waited so long for this squad. It's we're four or five days out from the game. We haven't heard anything. It's because if you're John Herman, you're probably working the phones, you know, negotiating with teams, say, okay, we need this player. Well, this club's like, we also need this player. We want to play ball. And uh, it's it's kind of the one of the things we see in modern international soccer where there's this before it was it was pretty simple. There was, you know, it was, you call a guy, he comes in, he plays. Now it's okay. You have to manage these relationships with, with clubs. Yeah. And I think it's going to be such a complication to, that we're seeing already rear its head. And like Michael says, I think when the squad drops, we might see one or two surprises because of that. Yeah. And you see, guys, uh, one thing I, I was just checking on, on Harry Patton. And, you know, the last time he really played and was on the pitch was on the 15th of December. The last four games, he hasn't been even on the bench. Um, and, I don't see any injury reports. So, you know, maybe Ross County will not be that hesitant into releasing mm-hmm. him because he's not playing anymore as a, in the starting 11. I don't know. I don't but know. But then, if like, what's missing. his form like? Yeah. yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, a lot of the Scottish clubs have been hit with COVID outbreaks. Mm. So um. you don't know he maybe already had something like that because a lot of it hasn't been announced. I know my team in Scotland's, were down to the bare bones and they still had to play games because they had they, they were hit because they had an under 20 team okay. if they didn't have the under 20 team they wouldn't have had to play so they were penalized for having an under 20 team <laughs> so ross county obviously have an under 20 team as well so I, I mean he might be missing for a reason or maybe he's had a knock that we hadn't heard about but okay interesting so guys, uh, I got a question. Uh, I was looking at, I was looking it up. I didn't find it anyways. Um, is it going to be full crowd in San Pedro Sula? Is there any restrictions for uh, anyone knows? I I, didn't, I don't I, understand I enough to try and figure it out. And honestly, like let's face here. it, these restrictions can change like on a dime, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, so at the same time, like what we talk about tonight could not be true tomorrow. No, because obviously there's the, there's a San Pedro Sula factor when when we go over there. It's always it's always very difficult, you know. Playing against playing in a half empty or empty stadium would definitely help us a lot. But still, you know, it's always tough. 
to go to Honduras. We know well, history has uh, has shown it, uh, <laughs> but if I still won't go back on that. But um, I mean, if you look back at the game, uh, it was our first qualifier. It was the one-one draw with uh, with Honduras. Not not a great performance by Canada. Um, how, what do you expect against Honduras? And um, with the omissions of uh, Davies and um, Estacio, do we do we think about some tactical twitches? And you know, obviously, there's a very physical aspect of, of the game against Honduras. All this combined, how should Canada approach the game, uh, generally speaking? Uh, Hadi, uh, listen. I... I don't know why, but I, I I think it's time for Canada to use something else than than the back three uh, formation. I, I would love to see a four four two. I know that it's it's maybe not the time to really change uh, you know your tactics, but uh, you know with Davies not here, Eustachio not here, playing with three midfielders, it, it's going to be a bit tough. Uh, you know. Because you're not sure who to put, like you guys mentioned a bit earlier. So I think a four four two would be would be wise because you could put Laren and and um, and David up front, um, and you know in the middle you can put Hutchinson and Kay, uh, you know, and on the wings you do have you do have some players uh, with Buchanan that could be of, of course will be a starter. He gave an assist today, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So. So that that that's pretty nice, you know. And and the back four, you know, it's. I think it would be it would make sense to go for with a four four two. And I think that every time we've had, and I think we uh, we talked about it, Alex, in your pod when uh, when when you invited me one one day, the, when we play against the um, the strong teams, we have a tendency to play with a four four two, and and we're pretty good with with a four four two system. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but. I would go with the four four two. I, I think that the three five two or three four three is not really what we need now with the players missing. I mean, it's it's a good point. I mean, if I'm going to return first to like Sam said, first time they played Honduras, I think it was a great learning lesson game. I think obviously looking back, you wonder, oh, what if if they could have won, uh, where they'd be now? But I think they learned a lot of lessons. I think they learned that. You know, the, these teams are going to be physical, even if they're maybe not the most, uh, you know, especially a team like Honduras, who this isn't the Honduras of, of eight years ago, maybe talent wise or system wise, but they're still always going to, you know, they're going to give you a fight. And I think Canada, they kind of learned a lesson, if I'm not mistaken. They kind of came out that game with the 4 2 4. They kind of played Buchanan, Davies, oh, yeah. Lair, and David. They kind of went for what I like to call, they, they put all their Avengers on the field. <laughs> but then the, the problem was no one got them the ball. They struggled. It was a 1 1 game. So I think if I'm looking at this game, I agree with you, Hattie, in the sense that I would like to see a, four, a back four. But also, for me, I'd, I'd like to see if at the same time what we learned in that game is I think you need to put a three-man midfield. Because the problem is Canada only played the two of Ustakio and Hutchinson, and they got dominated that oh, yeah, game physically yeah. because it was just they had too much work to do. The, the Honduran midfielders were just too physical. And now we have to remember they're going to be adding in Albert just, Ellis, who didn't even play that game. So if the formation I'd probably play if I were Herdman was a three-five-two, just so you can still get your your three midfielders. You can get kind of get that back three, and most importantly, you can get two strikers. You can play some combination of David, Laren, Ugbo, 
uh, whoever you think you think fits best in, into that. Just because I, I think if you're Canada, you a want to dominate the midfield against Honduras, but yes. b you don't want to you don't want to get hit on the counter because last time when they played, they didn't get hit on the counter, so they ticked off one of those boxes, but yeah. they got dominated in midfield. Yeah, um, no, I'm I'm team Alex on this one. Yeah, very interesting. I'm I'm curious to know who would be your midfield, like the, the three midfielders uh, that you would choose in the three five two. Would you go with Eustachio, uh, Hutchinson, and Piet, or who? Well, I guess, uh, three, uh, let's say, yeah, uh, sorry, obviously. I mean, Hutchinson, okay. was Hutchinson, like, K, Hutchinson, K, and Piet. Sorry, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, no, I think with what you have, I think the two uh, Hutchinson starts for sure. He's in oh, form, yes. and I think. For me, I pick Azorio just because I think they missed uh, someone like him against Honduras, that kind of link player from, you know, all their quote-unquote Avengers to the the midfielders. So I think you put Azorio. And between K and Piet, I think you start with K, and then if it isn't working, you bring in Piet. Just because, with at least with K, Azorio, you got guys who can move the ball forward, uh, and Hutchinson can kind of hold things down. But if it's not working, okay, you bring on Piet, Piet and then you kind of go more defensive with Piet Hutchinson and Azorio just in front of the Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Or I would even the thing say... Is... No, I was going to say for, for the sake of, you know, preserving um, fitness levels for, you know, especially with the travel factor, I would think if somehow they were able to take a two-goal lead, I would be, I would definitely be starting K. And then as soon as it looks like things are kind of hopefully in the bag for Canada... I'd be taking him off and probably oh, putting wow. on a Piet to preserve fitness levels so that he to can... To be honest, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really not uh, very optimistic for that game, for the first game. Not at all. So I would go... I You're would traumatized. Go Piet. Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> I, I, would go with Piet, I, I would go with Piet and not K because we need that defensive presence, I think, in that. In that. If we're going with a three-man midfield, uh, I, I would go with Piet for sure. I don't know, Michael, if, if you're... You're Team Alex or Team Hattie uh, this time? Or... I'm, I'm Team Hattie. I'd go 4-4-2. I'd have Piet in there. I think this is going to be a defensive outing. I yeah. don't think we'll see no. Larn and David start together. I think we'll get maybe a little bit Ooh. from each of them because they're going to be looking at that US game. Yeah. Because I think Hedman's going to look at this and think, okay, if we're going to lose one game in this window, what would be the one that if we lost it, it wouldn't be too up or down? probably El Salvador, but yeah. that's probably not going to happen because you think they've got the better of El Salvador. Honduras, they might not win. So it's like, I think he'll go for a draw. He'll be happy yeah. with a draw and yeah. he'll save some of the top guys for that US game. Because you've also got to think as well, like Larn and David, they're coming off having COVID. You don't know how bad they had it, how low they were. Some folk I know that's had it has had no energy for a couple of weeks. Yeah. See, they're traveling a long way as well to get here. So you might just want to to put it down. Piet seems a, a, a good option. So I, I don't know. I, I would go quite defensive for this. And if you need to mix it up, if you're a goal down, you bring on these guys later on that's, that's maybe going to be more attacking and change the formation then. Yeah. No, it's gonna. Uh, these games against Honduras, uh, it's it's rarely like a tactical show or a tactical battle between managers. It's always it's more of a, a fight in in these games, and it's great games to watch. But it's it's difficult games for Canada every time. So, you know, I think John Herdman has to think that when he's, he's preparing his team, and that's that's why I think Piet should be maybe for that that particular game, you know, and. Um, you know, you go maybe Piet, K, and uh, and Hutchinson even maybe, and 
and Azorio for the US game, that that would be cool because you know it's gonna be I think it's gonna be much more of an open game than than against Honduras. But either way, you know, it's a it's a tough window for Canada. You know, these these travels away to Honduras and to Salvador are never easy. US at home, obviously it's it's gonna be another another very tough game, but I think it's a defining one. You know, once once yeah. this window is done, man, you can really like set your your you know, you, you have your mind set on what's going to happen. Is it automatic qualification? Or are you going through? Uh, yeah. Through, um, the I mean, they, they've surely got to be top four. So they've definitely got mm-hmm. either yeah. both feet or one feet in the at the World Cup at, at this point. The, the thing with Herdman that I worry about, though, is he's, he's always talking about like exercise and ghosts, or he's always got these games. So with the women's team, he wanted to beat the US so badly and he never got to do it. I know. And it meant so much then when they did it in the men. And I do wonder if at the back of his head, he's got this 8-1 and it's like, oh, this is our chance to go down and exercise some of these demons. And if he might just go for it down there, but you risk, you risk so many things. You risk injuries, you risk sending offs, you risk. Mm -hmm. We've seen this as a very volatile team at times and the guys like (laughs) Max Cripot has been fired up in these qualifiers. Oh, they (laughs) are. Larea is just waiting to get sent off in one of these games at some point. So (laughs) teams are going to see that, and especially when they're the home team, they're going to poke these guys. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to know, guys, what is the target for Canada? Like, what's the minimum target for Canada with these three games? Points-wise, you mean? Like, points-wise, exactly. Like, for me, if we get four points out of these three games, I'll be happy. I'll be a happy camper. I'll be with, with Davies and Eustachio missing. For me, four points is 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 great. That means that we win at least maybe Salvador, get a draw against the U.S., or maybe win in Salvador and get and uh, win against the U.S. and get a draw in Salvador. I, I'm not really high on 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 San Pedro Sula. I'm pretty sure we're gonna lose there, but but that's my opinion. But I think four points will be pretty good for Canada at this stage of of the competition. What do you guys think, Sam? I, I, I think more. the objective is five. Um, because we we've not lost yet, so uh, I don't think you, you should. Never, lose. No, no, you yeah. should never, you know. But um, but I think it's fair to think that three, you know, you get a win and you you shoot for two draws. You know, hopefully you win one of these these projected draws and you you go out with seven points. But I think five would be acceptable. But still, you know, you're top of your group, so you have to you have to think that way. You have to think like like you're bossing the group, and you want you want to go out there and win every game. But the situations are that probably our two best players are out right now, so I think well, five points should be should be acceptable. Yeah, should, actually, should be, yeah. I think that with VAR coming in to the Concacaf mm. qualifiers, um, <laughs> Canada has been hard done by, to be honest, on a several levels, like really dating back to the World Cup. I I am salty. <laughs> okay. Um, and so I think with VAR coming in, I think Canada actually it might stand a chance of getting some of those more iffy calls going yeah. in their favor with some additional review. So I'm going for six points. Yeah, I'm going five. I think I agree with Sam with five. And I think if, as long as you don't drop any points to any teams, you're going to be in a great position. I think. If you look at five, just you know, it doesn't even have to be against anyone. The, the nice thing is, if you you drop points to the U.S., that's fine. They're probably going to make the World Cup, and you know, Canada should all go well. You don't want to be giving up points to the Hondurases and the El yeah. Salvadors, at least yeah. not more than than one. So I think if you have to go down there, 
and make it a bar fight and make it a a nil nil yes that's good it's gonna so i think five points is 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 good plus that would mean that i think if 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 i'm not mistaken canada the the whole you win all your your games at home pick up points away they're over where they need to be on that so if they get five points out of a window with two away games one home game they'll still be above the bar i think five points uh would be would be a good you know, pick up for them considering the the scope of games. And I mean, we could talk about the specifics of the game, beating the U.S., what that would mean, beating El Salvador, beating Honduras. Because, for example, one thing I was doing the math, did you know if Canada beats Honduras, Honduras cannot mathematically catch them? Yeah. That is something to, to oh, consider. Wow. Yes. Uh, that would be a point of pride. So actually, I was going to throw this back to you guys. I'll, I'll switch it up here. I know usually you guys ask me the questions, but I'll ask you guys the questions. <laughs> of course, go ahead. Because of that, do you maybe target different games? Because some people have been saying, if you lose to the U.S., it doesn't mean anything. They're going to probably make the World Cup. You're not giving up points to a team that, that's in the race, whereas Honduras, they're last. If you give them a win, all of a sudden, they, their hopes are revived. They're back in the fight. You win. You can mathematically ensure they're not a problem for you. Does that maybe change the the games you prior, prioritize in this window? And you maybe you go a bit harder for Honduras and El Salvador and try to get harder wins. And you, you you maybe you know not saying you sacrifice the U.S. game, but you go in and maybe you're you know you're not taking it like you did the Ice Teca game. You're maybe going in a little more dogfighter. Is that you didn't you, you feel that's a too risky of a game to play? It's just a curious question I had. You know, a lot of people tell me that I'm very passionate. And I am very passionate. So for me, losing against the U.S. or throwing the game against the U.S. is is unacceptable. It's our rival. Uh, We cannot lose the game or just give away a game against the U.S. It's it's not possible. That team has has had our number for 35 years. We finally beat them, and we're not going to give it. We're not going to make it easy for them anymore. I, I I I I know that. I can't really think logically when I'm <laughs> when, I, when when we have a game against the US. Like we have to beat them. Like we have to do everything we can to beat them. And for me, even if yes, you know, if we win against Honduras, yes, they, they'll be they they can't catch us. That's for sure. I, I completely understand that. But there's other teams there. Like okay, if Honduras beats us. Do you think they're going to win all the other games, all the other remaining games? They, they, they haven't been good. So I, I prefer to give points to the last team in the group than give them to our rival that's, you know, fighting for us with us for, for the top three positions. Well, so I don't know. I'll counter just by saying that Jamaica looked done and dusted. Canada did give them that point at home. And since then, yes. they've kind of climbed up the table. So yeah. it is CONCACAF. They have Albert Elise, who in the form of years is one of the best players in CONCACAF. Oh, I'm just so saying. True. And, and, and Albert Elise just scored a goal today with Bordeaux against Strasbourg. And a, a very beautiful goal, by the way. And uh, he's a very, very good player. Um, you know, in, in France, they're starting to see who Albert Elise is. So, so I, I, I'm quite happy because it's MLS, right? Uh, it's MLS, MLS player. So whenever I talk about MLS, you know, people are more attentive to what I have to say uh, now. Uh, but Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, for me, I think the, 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 the game that we should not lose points is in El Salvador. Like, we have to win in El Salvador. And it's going to be pretty tough because the crowd there is like kind of crazy, right? So we have to win in El Salvador. And again, I, I, I choose to put our starting 11 against the U.S. I, 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 can't, go, I can't go against that. Yeah. I just can't. And I, mean, I think that's how John Herdman's going to look at it yeah. as well. Because yeah. he's just got this U.S. obsession. And he <laughs> wants Canada to be yeah. treated on the same terms as them and everything like that i would not be surprised if we see three draws in this window okay i think five realistically is what you're looking for however that comes i think it could come draw draw winning el salvador but three draws i think could also be a realistic thing and it's not the end of the world of course not because it's All, all we need to avoid is having to go to Panama in that last game needing something. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. if we have to do that, then we are in trouble because they look really good. Yes. They have been a big surprise. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know, I know. There's all these rivalries, but even in Concacaf, yeah, there's other rivalries with everyone, right? So the U.S., you have Mexico. I mean. And it's a home game. I know people, Canadians are going to pay to go to the stadium and sit in the freezing <laughs> Hamilton winter cold. But I mean, it, it's not its not such of a, a problem dropping points against the U.S. You want to step on the teams that are not in that top four, you know, that and because the only the only idea of the qualification is get put get it going to Qatar, you know. So whatever happens, you have to have in mind that you need to take the plane to Qatar. So um, I think you know the the two games that you should really, really put your, you know, put your guts on is is away to Honduras, away to Salvador, and as as you know, shitty as it is, maybe if you go a bit weaker against the states at home, it's not going to be cool for the fans. It's not it's not a good look against the states. But if you're able to to keep that you know, that your stronger squad for these two away games and, you know, beat, beat down these teams that are not in the top four. I think that's what's more important because that's how you'll get to Qatar. So, uh, sorry, man. I, I know, I know it's, it's not, it's not good for Canada, you know, playing that type of weekend squad or maybe not that type of game at home, but that's how I would go. I like the comment of Chan. As long as we gain mm. more points than Panama in this window, we're really yeah, that's, so that's we a good point fine. too. Yeah. yeah, very, very good. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, you've also got to think as well. Who knows what's to come in the next window? Because you could have sudden. I mean, it, it, yeah, it looks like Omicron's kind of dying down in bits, and it's kind of getting less and less. Who knows? It could be another variant come up or something that suddenly. Oh, Michael! European come on, man. No, but like, seriously, true, something though. could stop these European guys even traveling over at the next window. So you kind of want to get as many points in the the bag as you can, because if we were just relying on domestic talent, I think we could be in for a a bit of a fight. 
Yeah, yeah. no, and especially you now too, the the rules in Canada are athletes who are not vaccinated are no longer exempt from rules. They they won't be allowed to come, including with the national team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could make for some really interesting lineups. Both, I mean, Canada really only has what the game against the U.S. and then the game against Jamaica are their only remaining home games, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. But nonetheless, I mean, it, it definitely could complicate things. You know, maybe we'll see a surprise American not making the trip across the border, or perhaps come March, uh, a couple of Jamaicans won't make it across the border. I don't know, of course, but um, yeah. It's interesting. Interesting. It's interesting because, you know, um, Alex, you talked about Jamaica a bit earlier, right? Uh, saying that, you know, they were out of the picture and now they're, they're back. At the beginning of the of the old show, uh, here on the ball is round. For me, Jamaica was one of the teams to beat. Uh, for yeah. me, it was the team yeah. that was supposed to. We were supposed to be in a battle with Jamaica for the third uh, the third position. That's for me was the main threat, and I was very surprised to see them, you know, not be that good at the beginning of the old show. Now, the thing is, right now, I, I see Patrick just said uh, that Costa Rica is going to make a push. I don't really believe in Costa no. Rica because I don't think they're they're as good as they 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 were before. Like I think that this generation is not as good as it, as it was. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I I don't I don't see Costa Rica as a threat. So we'll see. Yeah, guys. Uh, anything to add to uh, Canada? All I mean, good. I'll just add for you know. Chance I'll, I'll have, let's just save for next episode. Go <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with the Honduras game before. But uh, yeah, in terms of Panama, I'm curious to see how they, you know, they, they get on this window. Because for me in the November window, I think that result they got against Honduras was life-saving. Like the fact yeah. that they went to San Pedro Sula, went down 2-0 and exactly. won 3-2. Like yeah. that's the yes. kind of result that changes a whole team. Like if they lost that game, they would have been in a, you know, right back in the dogfight. So I mean, A, that shows that Panama maybe is a bit closer to, you know, a result like that than we think. But also, you know, do they have that more magic in, in, in their, you know, in their back pocket to keep going as they're going? Uh, I think it, it's going to be interesting. And also, that if, if, that, if, if you're Canada, you see a result like that. It also does, you know, tempt you a little more for, mm-hmm. for Honduras. That's the one thing all I'll say. I guess if we're going to finish off this Canada talk, I'm just curious to see. It's too bad Davies isn't there because I'd love this would be his first yeah. trip to San Pedro Sula. I just want to see how a player like Davies handles that environment. But if you're if you're Canada, you have to look at the fact that the US sent a bunch of kids to, to San Pedro Sula in September and won. And then Panama obviously made that comeback, which 10 years ago that would have never happened. Even if Mexico went with their best team to, to San Pedro Sula and they went down 2-0, that would never happen. If you're Canada, I just want to see how they see that and how they play as a result. Because even a weekend Canada squad with the form Honduras is in, I'd love to see them, you know, at least mm, give it a go. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how things are in a week. It's one of those games where we, you know, you'll talk to people in a week and be like, oh, they lost 3-0. It's same old, same old. But then we could also be saying, oh, this is a monumental win. This is going to send them to the World Cup. I think that San Pedro Sula game is going to be such a, such a, it's going to be one I feel like that's going to really tell us the most out of, 
you know, about this Canadian team, this window. I think the Azteca gave you a decent idea of what this team's made of. You know, some of the, you know, going down to the Azteca, those games against Mexico taught you a lot. But oh, yes. it's really this game against Honduras where it's a trap game. You're going to a tough environment. Other teams have already gained points off of this team. So it's, it's a you know, if you lose here, you fall behind. I think it's going to tell us a lot about this Canadian team. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. The pressure from Alex on, on that game. It. I'm it's not true. confident. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one thing for sure, you know, John Herman has the knack to, to surprise us. You know, if you look at what the, the squad he put out at the Azteca and the way they approached the game, you know, we were previewing it. We were almost talking about parking the bus and a 5-4-1 or something. And he just went out, you know, guns blazing, attacking. So, I mean, I'm sure he's going he's gonna to have a surprise or two up his sleeve for that game in San Pedro Sula. That's what makes it very interesting uh, to follow the national team these days, guys. Um, yeah, let's move on. Uh, Steph Labby is oh retiring in April. Yeah, a beautiful message she, she put out. I don't know, guys, if you, if you saw it, but it, it was a really, really touching message for retirement. So quickly, Steph Labbe, it's uh, 85 games for Canada, two youth World Cups, three senior World Cups, three Olympic uh, Games, two-time Olympic medalist, Olympic champion. And uh, what a legacy she leaves behind. And, um, you know, guys, um, what, what, what's the impact that Steph Labbe had on, you know, on Canada soccer in general, but also for 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 the women's game, obviously, and for a position as a goalie. Oh my! Wow, I don't even know where to go. Honestly, I mean, she she's come so far. You know, she she played a semi pro in Canada. She played in NWSL. She played in in Europe, in Sweden. She just did a stint with PSG, which was obviously ended by mutual uh, agreement. So she's really, I mean, her career has been very long and she's she's been all over the world. So for me, it's, it's awesome as well that she's going out on top, like with a gold medal um, around her neck. I think it's it's wonderful and I'm really excited for what she's going to be bringing, because I know she's a really strong proponent as well of bringing a pro league to Canada for women. And I, I really hope she finds some involvement in that. No pressure. <laughs> yeah, same as Diana Matheson, right? Uh, that's that's really working on that to bring a pro league in Canada. So uh, I like that. I like that the former players are really, you know, trying to, to, do, to do that and to achieve that. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen at one point. Now, for me, Steph Labbe, she's been amazing with Canada. I, I, for me, she was a bit on a, on a downhill before the Olympic Games, and yeah. she had an amazing, an amazing tournament during the Olympic Games. And you all know, guys, I've said it numerous times here on the Ball Is Round. For me, it was, it was time to, to for Stephanie Labbe to leave her place for Kaylin Sheridan. For me, Sheridan was supposed to be the number one. Um, we saw it in, in the She Believes Cup where, where Sheridan was supposed to be the number one and then she got injured in the first game and Labbe came back and had decent performances and, you know, claimed her spot back. And, you know, that's what I like about Steph Labbe. Every time you think that she's down, um, she went right back up and she fought a bit more and she 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 got her place again. She claimed her place again and, and you know, deservedly. And... I think that right now Canada doesn't have a problem between between uh, between the sticks. 
to uh, to, to use your uh, <laughs> to use your website name, uh, Alex. But um, yeah, I, I think that Sheridan is is going to be great. Also, she's she's an amazing goalkeeper. She's been awesome in the NWSL. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much, Steph Labay, and uh, thank you for everything that you've done. It's, it was amazing, and uh, now it's time for the for the youth to come and take uh, take your place. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks to lose someone like Stephanie Labay. I think uh, certainly on and off the pitch, she was a big part of the Canadian team. Yeah. I think mean, you know on the pitch with you know leadership. This is you know it's it sucks to lose a you know a valuable member of that generation as the team you know, transitions over. I think she was very outspoken as well for, for a lot of good initiatives such as mental health and obviously yeah. like bringing the, the, you know, that was, she brought a lot of good attention to that, talking about her struggles yeah. with that. It, it's been huge just for, for kids across the country to have someone like that represent the national team. So I think that's going to be a big void uh, losing someone like her, but it's also, you know, like Hattie says, Canada's in good hands going forward. I think Kaylin Sheridan's going to be, you know, a good, you know, good piece long term. There's still a lot of young names coming up through the, the the pipeline, so I think Canada will be in good hands. You're going to miss a player like Stephanie LeBay, but also credit for her to for leaving on her own terms. She always said she was going to retire after these 2020 Olympics. They got delayed a year. She got a transfer to PSG. Things kind of, you know, maybe didn't end up being the plan she thought, but it's happy that she was able to go out on top on her own terms. She 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 retired, and uh, I'm excited to see what she does because I know, uh, you know, if she ends up going into to commentating, if she ends up getting, you know, maybe getting stuck into a women's league or getting stuck into an administrative position, I think she'll she'll like she did when she was a player. She'll she'll put her all into it, and then and we'll continue to lead the way. So. Uh, while it sucks to not have her on the, the national team anymore, it'll still be good to have her hopefully involved in soccer because the, the sport in Canada will be better off for it. And she's going out in a high. It's, mm. you, you can't get a better way to go out. Maybe a World Cup winner, but it's she, even if she had stayed and was playing next year, she probably wouldn't have been starting down in mm. Australia and New Zealand. So this is her way to go out on her terms, the way that she wants to with some great memories. I really had wanted to go on the call that she had um, on Wednesday, I think it was. And I was all set to go on it. And then I was speaking to someone at the Whitecaps at one and it got brought forward half an hour to the same time. So I wasn't able to go on the call. So I wanted to ask her what exactly she maybe had in mind for the future. Because I would not be surprised if she gets involved with Calgary Foothills more. Because she was there and she she wanted to play USL as a female player in the men's league. I don't know if you remember that. There was all the kind of yeah. controversy over whether they would let her play and stuff. And she was really kind of trying to push that, look, break down these boundaries. We can play and stuff like that. So I would imagine that she'll get back involved with, with the Foothills. And I would also imagine if there's a pro league in Canada, the Foothills are going to be one of the, the proponents of that league. So it would be interesting to see what she does there. I still think it's going to be hard to get a pro league up and running in Canada in the next couple of years. I think it's kind of baby steps with like League One BC. We're going to have seven female teams coming in here in May and then one, maybe two NWSL teams. I think we could still be a long way off from having a pro league. But Foothills need a place to play. I think they're going into the UWSL or something. I'm getting all these mixed up. But there's a... (laughs) It's it's not that it's not this new league that was meant to be this Canadian 
competition oh, yeah. that they were having. I think they're going into the UWSL, I saw. So yeah. Foothills are involved in that. So I would not be surprised if she's involved in that. Interesting. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I think she had a, a, a big impact on, on Canadian soccer. And, you know, really, uh, like like you said, Alex, her, her her advocacy for mental health, and she, went, she was very open about her own struggles, talking about depression, uh, her panic attacks that she would have at the Olympics. And I think she, she even said that uh, two days after the final, she, she was like in a dark room, not moving for like 48 hours because, you know, of all the pressure that she, she went through uh, during the, the Olympics and stuff. So, you know, it's very rare you see athletes become as clean as how they feel about their, you know, their, their profession and what it does to them. So I think that's very important. And she was, she was such a, a good footballer too, you know, fantastic goalie. So, you know, the only thing we can say now is thank you for the memories, uh, Stephanie. And I'm sure we're going to see her again, but it, it was, it was fantastic to see her on the pitch and what a way to, to go out with that that uh, Olympic gold medal around her. Yeah. And she had a very, very important part to play in that team. So that, that was really cool. So, yeah, we're, I think we're done for Labby. Anything else? Yeah. Can, can I just ask you guys, were you yeah. as stunned as me that she didn't win goalkeeper of the year? Oh, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Let's talk about that. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought she it. was a shoo-in. I genuinely oh. did. Um, like, yeah, to, was... to have that performance in an Olympic gold medal game and with a freaking still don't smile on your face. Oh yeah, that that's is awesome. <laughs> no, I was I was really surprised. Yeah, Honestly, really. Canada in general was so robbed at the, at the awards. Oh yeah, like yeah. for yeah. Bev not to make top three. No, but you've got an international coach that failed with two countries and didn't win anything. Is is nominated mm. in the top three? It's no. that's baffling. I Christine Sinclair not not even being mentioned in a, in a, in a, in a Ballon d'Or race uh, for me it's unacceptable. She won well, the Olympics. She won too. the NWSL. Uh, like, what do you want more? What do you want more? Exactly. Like, like of the major, the major awards for women to win in that year, she's exact. Oh, I can't even. Don't. Even, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, I I know Sink got that award the best. The yeah. special yeah. award. It, yeah. It, it feels like. Oh, we should do something for her. Yeah, make up award. this award. Yeah, it's like it's not it's, it's like in the Oscars. It, but... It's yeah. like in the Oscars <laughs> when you get uh, the career award, whatever it is. You know, it's mm-hmm. just uh, you've never been good enough to be the best, but you've but been, you've been great, really good. So here's an award. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just like the the Ballon d'Or. I mean. That one's okay, a little tougher. Canada's more of a you know a good team. It was it's always going to be hard. Whereas Sinclair, this wasn't one of her best years. So if it would have been one where she won it, you would be happy for her, but you'd also feel like it wasn't deserved. You know, I think personally, Ashley Lawrence had the best shout out of any Canadian for the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. For me, the two that really irked me, obviously Bev Priestman. Well, all three, I guess. Though, is the Bev Priestman at head coach. Mm -hmm. It was the best eleven, which was just farcical. (laughs) The fact that story, but that was a popularity contest. Yeah. Like the fact that Alex Morgan was making it in the team. Like there could have been three Canadians. Yeah, Carly Lloyd. I was like. She, she scored all her goals in testimonial matches this year. <laughs> and then Alexia Putellis won the the Ballon d'Or exactly. and she didn't even make the like that's or she won the best award and she didn't make mm-hmm. it. That's when you kind of knew it was yeah. all over. And then yeah, the Stephanie Labay not winning the goalkeeper. I mean, Christiane Endler, great goalkeeper, as we yeah. know. You know, she 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 had a great year with with PSG yeah. with the, their upset of you know of Lyon in the Champions League, winning the league for the first time. 
you know, breaking Lyon's 15-year run. It's a great story, but, you know, at the same time, Stephanie LeBay in Canada, the underdogs, you know, winning the, the, the gold medal for the first time and LeBay playing a big role in it. And she also, you have to remember, she didn't officially... She wasn't there when they won the league title. She did also win a league title in Sweden with Rosengard. She's a pretty big team. Obviously, she left mm-hmm. halfway through the season to go to PSG. So it wasn't as if she was doing nothing for her club either. Because you could say, oh, Endler had the, the club over country. Lebe had the club and she had the country. It just makes no sense. And it really just shows the awards uh, across really both men's and women's votes were, were, were quite farcical in, in, in both regards. I mean, it shows that, A, the best 11s that are voted on by the players. The players obviously need to watch more of the other teams or they need to make it so that they don't vote on it because obviously they're not following it enough to, to decide. And then just the individual wars, there's just some of the, the, the decisions were, 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 were head-scratching, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, let's move on to our little uh, CF Montreal segment. We don't have a lot this week, but uh, we have some news. And uh, we, you know, we talked about it uh, before when it was rumored that we would join the PLSQ and not the MLS Next Pro um, League. Now it's official. We are going to play in the 12-team uh, PLSQ last year, uh, next year, I'm sorry. Um, has anything changed since the rumor came out, guys, on your, your opinion on it? And I, I'm very interested to hear the opinion of the Vancouver guys on um, uh, reserve team playing in a semi-pro league um, locally. It's interesting because they have the BC League One uh, that that's gonna that's gonna be here. So you know, what if Vanc- the Whitecaps had a team in the BC League One? Would you be well, happy? Well, they do. They do. Ah, they do. They've got their, true, their true. under nineteen team in it. Okay. Oh, the okay. under nineteen. Okay. Okay. Uh, man, listen. Um, I mean, the the PLSQ. We, we talked about it. I I don't think it's that much of a, a big deal that we're gonna play PLSQ football next year because we they're gonna play against. I'll say it again. You know, some ex pros. They're gonna play against men. You know, and and it's not it's not an easy schedule in the PLSQ. I know I know it's the semi pro league. The, these guys are gonna be there full time, but but still, uh, they're gonna play against guys that are going to go for them every game. It's going to be a final for the for these uh, for these teams every time they're going to play against the CF Montreal reserve team. So it's not going to be a walk in a park. So um I think it's okay and you know Olivier Ganot kind of explained it by saying that he wasn't open to to invest like millions of dollars in something that he wasn't sure of. So there's clearly mm-hmm. some some things that are not clear yet about that that MLS Pro League. Uh, next pro league so i mean i i don't know i don't think it's that bad i know the, the opinion in montreal is very negative around that 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 move but i don't think it's that bad guys yeah i don't think it's that bad either yeah. and we talked about it uh for me yes there are there are some negatives and of course the negatives are well known okay yes they're not you know following all the other mls uh, uh teams that's for sure that's one negative the second negative is that of course they're playing against you know, semi-professional teams. So, you know, the players are not as fit as as them because they they do train, you know, uh, fully, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there, there are some, some, some problems there. But, you know, if you're able to compete with the best teams of PLSQ, you have some good teams with the of uh, CSMRO, of course, and Blainville, Blainville, who are, you know, some, some good teams. Longueuil, that's a good team also. So you do have some, some good teams, uh, if you are able to compete against them, 
that's already something something good because the players uh, in that U23 uh, team are going to be 17, 18. Uh, they're going to be pretty young. They're going to play against very uh, experienced players that have been, you know, uh, there are some players like Shaki Bosim that you guys have, uh, have seen in the, in the Camp PL or you've seen uh, um, Zakaria Mesudi or there's a lot of players that are uh, within that PLSQ that were former pros and they're still like today's like 27, 28 to 29. Um, we just saw today Gabriel Balbinotti that just signed with the, with the Orichelieu Celtics. So, you know, you do have some, some yeah. accomplished players that have played at the CanPL level that are going to play in the PLSQ. So for me, yes, there are some positives. There are some negatives. Um, right now, I think that Montreal wasn't ready to go to the MLS next pro. Uh, they're just taking a step you know, backwards and just going to observe, see what the MLS Next Pro is, and then take a decision. I don't see what's what's the problem with that. It's just really hard not to read it as being cheap. <laughs> yeah, because that's the, that's Sorry. the narrative right here. Well, that's yeah. how it came across from afar yes. to me, because I was like, Thank oh, you. I guess they've done this for money. Yeah. You know, money has always been the narrative in Montreal, right? So for sure. I think that that kind of comes into it. But yeah, and, and Olivier Ganot talked about money too, so... Um, but I, I, I've spoken to Axel a couple of times here about this MLS too, and they haven't got all the information yet. Well, yeah, and you're exactly. talking about a league that's going to be starting in March or April. And either he isn't telling us because he's not allowed to, but I did. I mean, Alex, you've heard this as well. I got the impression he genuinely didn't really know all the ins and outs of this league yet. And I've been asking him for a couple of months now. And... What he did share is it looks like the plan is if the first team is playing some weekend, home or away, they'll try and get the MLS2 team to play that same weekend yeah. against yeah. the MLS2 team of that team. Yeah. So that does cut schedule, down. So yeah. So that they cuts can kind of go together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What we don't know is will they be playing at the same venue? Will it be a standalone venue? Will they be expecting fans to come in? Which, when you read the MLS press release on it, they're talking about streaming and professional and stadiums yeah. and all this stuff. So that, that comes with some expense as well. And looking at our experience here with WFC2, in the final days of it, you're talking it was under a 1,000 folk were, were coming out. And they're streaming those games and they're hiring stadiums and they're putting on entertainment and they're stewards and policing and everything like that. So it's a lot of money. So I do get that. But it's what you want from this team. It's like, do you want top development or medium development? So right now, the Whitecaps have had their under-23 team that have had nowhere to play. They've played friendlies. They've played local college games. They've unofficially played games that they're not allowed to talk about for various reasons that I won't go into. Okay. Um, it's all NCAA rules and mm. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so they're going to be in this MLS too. The Whitecaps under-19s are going to be in League 1 BC. Right now, the under-19s are in the Fraser Valley Soccer League here, which is an amateur league. And there's two amateur leagues in the lower mainland, the Vancouver one and the Fraser Valley one. And the Fraser Valley one is a poor second to the Vancouver one. Mm -hmm. But the Vancouver one wouldn't let them go into the Premier right away. And they felt, well, we don't want to be in Division 1 there. We're going to 
not be tested. So they've got into the Fraser Valley, and it's not a great quality, and they're still only the third best team in that league. <laughs> and it's like, that's concerning as a starter. So maybe the under-23 should have gone in that to be more competitive. I know the PSL, PLSQ's ahead of us considerably in League mm-hmm. 1 BC. Mm-hmm. League 1 BC here is going to be a quite a, a weak first year from what I'm kind of gathering from it. And it's only going to be a couple of years before we are strong. So maybe that is a good test for you guys. And cost-effectiveness, you're maybe going to get the same benefit out of it. Maybe you can play the odd friendly yeah. against an MLS2 team when they, yeah. when they come up to play in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so, Alex, sorry, Alex, anything to add? Well, I mean, yeah, I just to, to kind of hop on, it, it, it's kind of, yeah, there's so much uncertainty with this MLS too, where it's like, I think a lot of us, I, even on myself personally, at times you're kind of looking at what it could be, or at least what we want it to be, what it, at least what it should be. And we have to remember, there's so much uncertainty. There's still rules coming out about how it's going to work. Like if you're the white caps, I remember talking last year to, I guess, to the end of 2021 about to Axel about it. And they're like, yeah, he's like, we have to still decide if we want what our branding is going to be, what, you know, where we're going to play. Stuff like that is, you know, you don't do that overnight. You don't just wake up in the morning with, with brand yeah. new branding and a stadium. And like, there's all these important key details that need to be hashed out. And it's January 23rd and they're, you know, they're supposed to kick off in two months. So like, you know, like Michael says, there's so much uncertainty, whereas, I think it's not the end of the world if Montreal isn't there for a year. I think I ideally, if you're MLS, you're probably a bit pissed off because you kind of want all your clubs to be involved when, you know, when you're making a move like this, you want to, you know, you want to be unified on that regard. The more teams, the more theoretically competitive it is, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're Montreal, obviously they've assessed what they, they saw and they didn't believe that it, it's right. And, you know, the like you say, the PLSQ is such a, a highly regarded league across Canada. You look over, you know, like Michael says, for League One, you, you look at some of the, the teams, there's a lot of going to be a lot of good players, but there's also going to be a lot of, you know, uncertainty of what's yeah. the level going to be. You still have to figure that out. So I think it's one of those, if it's it's almost like damned if you do, damned if you don't the kind yeah. of situation for Montreal. If you join, you maybe end up regretting it. If you don't join, maybe, you, you, you know, you don't end up regretting it. But at least now they've got a stable situation with the PLSQ and then they can take that chance to, you know, in a year, see where it's at. I mean, I, I, myself personally, I hope this MLS second team is a success just because at least from, from a Vancouver perspective, there's a whole generation of players. Like, you know, just to throw out examples, you see Damiano Pasile make the yeah. bench yesterday for mm-hmm. Venezia. It's a big deal. Had there been a second team, he could have been playing for the Whitecaps to start the season because he would have already, he was kind of stuck in this no man's land where he was too good to play with his peers, not good yeah. enough for the first team. Where do you go? That's where a second team comes in. So personally, I want to see this league succeed. I want to see, you know, the Whitecaps have the next generation of kids not end up like your Pasiles, your coal lines, no. you know, you know, your guys who are kind of spread all over the, the, the you know, your Facinaries even, your, that kind of 03, 02 age group where they've kind of just been in no man's land. But at the same time, if you're Montreal, they've got a good thing going. They've been taking care of, you know, their, their, their younger players. They've been loaning a lot more out to the CPL. Yes. They've had them yeah. close by. They've had that. They did have that second team before. So if you're Montreal, I'm not too worried, say. And Surabaya's yeah. coming to Vancouver. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a question for Marco Telehuro. Do you expect them to win the PLSQ Eve? Uh, pessimistic Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly got it. I don't know. 
I, I truly don't know. Um, because we generally assume that the TLSQ teams will come in with a point to prove um, very much wanting to beat them. Of course. Um, but logic dictates that if you're in the academy of a, a major league soccer club, that you should have the out-and-out right talent and the the regimented coaching and, you know, the, the full-time devotion to the sport. So I, I don't know if next year they'll win, but I certainly, if they're in the PLSQ next year, like, or, like the year, you know what I mean. Yeah, in two yeah. in two seasons. Oh my god! Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 2023. There we you go. That's the year. Um, <laughs> that's the year. I'm sorry. No, it's kind okay. of hard. Um, no. <laughs> I would I would think that they would be pushing for it probably in 2023. I expect yeah. 2022 to be a lot of adjustment. I think they they have to be within the the top three. I think the league with with Blainville and CSMRO. I think they have to be up there uh, in the top three. Will they win? I don't think so. I think that you have good teams in the PLSQ, but we'll see. I don't know, Sam, if you have, you, you're someone that really played against a lot of those guys. So, uh, yeah, yeah. what do you no, think? Well, <laughs> they're competitive guys. So, even if they're almost, you know, they're in their 30s, they're going to go out there. But it's not even, it's not even that. It's more like the, the thing is that this, the, the academy, well, the reserve team isn't in the PLSQ, in my opinion, to win it. They're there to mm-hmm. to prepare to to get to the to the level that they need to. So, you know, for sure, they got, it's gonna probably be a blueprint of Wilfred Nancy's system. So they won't be yeah. like adjusting tactically always against the teams they're gonna play and stuff. They're really gonna they, they they'll have their idea, I think, on how to to get into it, and they'll they'll stick to their ideas. So yeah. win, lose, draw. I think it's second nature for. for for them going into that, it's more developing the yeah. players and testing them in certain situations. So I think this is the reason why they won't win, but they should have the talent to win it, though. But um, I don't think it's the objective. I'm very interested to know who's going to be the coach because he, they don't yeah. have a coach right now. Mm-hmm. Very, of very interested. Not. Patrick, Patrick Logic <laughs> said that uh, that uh, we'll know something in the next uh, few days. So, uh, And he also confirmed that CF Montreal will be the name of the team. So no return to the impact for the people that God thought that they could name the, the reserve team the impact. The impact it's yeah. not going to be the impact. It will be CF Montreal. Where's uh, this with it? For better uh, or for worse? Uh, quickly, guys, uh, last news. Um, the calendar for the preseason games is out. We're playing um, New York City uh, on the 29th and Miami on the 4th of uh, February. Philly on the 8th and uh, Miami FC on the 11th. I just have a question uh, regarding this quickly is knowing that we're going into Champions League football, does that change anything to preseason? Because we kind of treated preseason like scrimmages a lot and not really like going out with big teams, you know, like these good, you know, the top players play half an hour here and there. So is it going to change anything? that we have that big Santos Laguna away game coming up. Um, yeah, for sure. You, you can't really play a big team just before the game against uh, Santos Laguna, right? Yeah, like sure. I'm happy that on the 11th, you're playing a USL team with Miami FC. I'm happy about that because, you know, it's the weaker team. If Even if it's a uh, team, That doesn't mean USL anything to Montreal. Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, but you're not going to play with your best players like right away. I, I think that game, you're just going to play with 
some rotational players and not the best players because you're going to ha have to rest them uh, for the game on the 15th. Uh, that's my opinion, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, you can't have, you know, uh, a preseason like the Whitecaps have against Club Tijuana and, uh, and, uh, and Landon's Donovan's team. And, and, uh, Res yeah, I was going to say reserve. Club Tijuana <laughs> reserves. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that. I, saw, I thought it was the main team. Oh, okay, okay. So it's not that. It's like, okay. It's not that. It's not that bad then. Okay. So we have a good preseason, I think. Uh, I, I like the way, you know, the preseason games are, are scheduled. I like that. I like, as I said, that Miami FC uh, is the closer to the to the Santos Laguna Santos Laguna game. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for you guys, uh, it's it's interesting to see how you handle going right into the Santos game because that can be kind of like a a poison pill for MLS teams. Just like it's really unfortunate how the MLS schedule is. Know, it's, mm -hmm. You can't really say. You want to start the league in January. You look, even in Vancouver, it's snowing in January these days. You don't want to imagine what it's playing, you know, in Toronto, Montreal, Minnesota, mm -hmm. all that, that early in the season. But it, it just sucks because if you're Montreal, you've got this preseason, your first game is against a big Mexican team. Mm -hmm. That's not, it's not easy to, to ease into. I think we see that a lot of years when, you know, when teams, I think of Toronto last year, they had to play, you know, Club Leon right off the bat. And while they, 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 they won. ended up, they won, <laughs> yeah. but at what cost? They, they yeah. lost half of their roster yeah. from injuries because yeah. you're going from playing scrimmages against your teammates to playing one of the better teams on the continent in a competitive environment. It's, you know, it strains a roster, the travel like that. So it's going to be interesting how Montreal handles that, that challenge because, you know, a lot, if you look back to 2020, the last kind of, you know, the start of a normal year when, when Montreal kind of drew – uh, was Saprissa in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. That yes. kind of helped them. Saprissa is a good team, but it was a more manageable, you know, battle. Montreal came out. They they won that Saprissa tie. I think they started the league really well. And then COVID hit. You know, you'd want that more if you're Montreal. Kind of that 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 easier draw to ease your way in. It's kind of getting thrown right to the Lions. So I'm going to be very interested to see how they can handle preseason Champions League. Will there be any injuries? Will they be able to, you know, be competitive in that Santos Laguna tie? A lot of questions. Well, if you look at all the MLS teams last year, they struggled at the start of the, the MLS season because they had been playing in Champions League. But I think you guys have got quite a, a good preseason schedule. Ours is weird. It's like so many USL and weak teams that I'm not quite sure that that's the best preparation. But I, I, the best one we ever had was when we were down in at the Disney Classic in 2012. That was fantastic. Mainly because I went down. It's my my only trip to Florida I've ever had. But that was and, and we won it. But that that was a great tournament because that really tested them. But if you're going into a big game like that, do you want to be tested too much? No. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. So okay, that's gonna be cool to see. But um, yeah, I think I I, I think we'll have to to go pretty strong at the start of these preseason games because there's there's a lot of um you know the, there's some new players they need to get acquainted to, to the system to the roster and you know the, <laughs> there's some demons to the chase with that uh, that santos mm, yeah john so, herdman yeah. would probably have a word or two to say about uh, a revenge <laughs> game <laughs> oh yeah for sure 
And uh, Patrick just dropped that negotiations with uh, Rudy Camacho oh, have reopened as per <laughs> Milton and George. Okay. Oh, Listen, uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. Man. <laughs> uh, man, if they reopened again, I don't know, man. I hope that it's going to be like 500K for the year, not more. Uh, no, right. excuse me. They offered him an amount of money. He said, no, thank you, and wandered away. And if negotiations and negotiations have reopened, I assume nobody else has come knocking. So, in my opinion, he's at Montreal's mercy now. Exactly. So, 500k. Can do that. We're good with that. <laughs> I think 500k is... Seems a lot. He was making... He was making 800 and something. That's going to be God's money, yeah. Man. Uh, yeah. And, and, he was, and he was our best central defender last year. Last year. Like, so yes, yeah. but I find funny because Paul came on our show before yeah. the season started, <laughs> oh, and he, he tore him. him. He, he tore no it to him. Time, no time to oh, from Paul day one, hates man. Camacho, man. <laughs> yeah, no, he really, does, he really does not have time to do Camacho. I can understand Paul because uh, Camacho has been here for the three first years. three seasons were friggin' shambolic. Exactly, and and the last one was really, really, Great. really good. Like Great. he was, he was awesome. So yeah, yeah. I don't know which Rudy Camacho will we see in case he does uh, sign back with the CF Montreal. But it, it's kind of interesting if we have a backline of Alistair Johnston, Rudy Camacho, and Kemal Miller. But no, then what? I like then what the hell happens to your playing the youth, Hattie? Because we've got Tarifa <laughs> Yao, who had a fantastic we season in. Horrible. And no, I don't care about Gabriela Corbo because that's Bologna's offering to us this year. Um, so I'm, 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 okay. I love her. I love her. She's so pessimistic, and then yeah. No, well, no. I mean, whatever. That's that's who they foisted upon Montreal this year. You know, they foisted last year up line and on us, and for some reason, he's here forever. Um, but no, um, but I mean, they also foisted Sebastian Brezza on us and that worked out really well. So, um, so to be fair, every now and then it does work out. Um, but I think Tarifa Yao is due for, for a time. And to me, if Camacho comes back, then that takes valuable time away from, um, players who had a really, really good season in CanPL last year. There's two things. Okay. First of all, Tarifa Yao is going to come in and slot in as a fourth or fifth defender. I, I don't think he's going to be in a, a starter, right? Fourth, fifth, I even... He looks defender. so fit, though. I know, I know. But And second of all, I don't know if you guys saw, but Waterman yeah, wasn't Jim. at training. Yeah, and, and not, we not heard, injured, not COVID as far as we know. We heard that it wasn't COVID. See, so I wanted I us to make a play there. for Waterman in the off-season. I thought he would have been a good defensive addition for us. Not now, but... That I would, I'd love to have had Joe here because I, I watched him play with Trinity Western and mm. commentated on him a, a few times over the years, and I'm a big fan of him. Uh, he's been awesome. To USL. He, he was really awesome grew last year. year. He was really good. Mm-hmm. He grew. No, no, no. Come on. He grew the end, into being really good. Yeah. Mm. At the end, he was very good. Yeah, well, he, yeah. Start, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but he did get much better, much yeah. better after. Yeah, no, he really he did. Took, I mean, he took Kiki Struna's place, basically. Yeah. He was making more than a million. million dollars, so. yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I'm we, looking we, at Montreal. Or sorry, yeah, just my, the, the last go, go play. Ahead, I'm, I'm looking at Montreal from my perspective. I just want, yeah, like like Eve says, I want to see Krifa Yao, yes. Joel Waterman. I, I'm kind of, you know, from my outside perspective. Right now, Montreal's going in, all in on the can you know, the Ken MNT backline. I want to see a Brock, Kamal Miller, yeah, exactly. Joel Waterman, 
uh, Johnston, Karifa Yao. For me, the only reason is, you know, if Montreal does keep Rudy Camacho, my only dream from my outside perspective is that he plays like he did last year and then he actually does get his Canadian citizenship because he is close if someone, someone was saying I mean, yeah. he's been here for a while. If, if that happens, then okay, as an outsider, I wouldn't mind seeing Rudy Camacho if that means yeah. he can, you know, I'm not saying he goes and starts next week for Canada if he's eligible. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's nice to have names in the pool if he's playing well, so... From an outsider perspective, that's the only world I'd want to see Camacho. If not, I'm intrigued by, like Eve says, Yao, Krifi. He looks so good every time I saw him play for Cavalry last year. I saw him a few times in person with Pacific. He was always one of the better players on the field. So it'd be cool to see him take a step forward this year. Yeah, most Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm with you, Alex. (laughs) But we'll keep an eye on that, that. That uh, that news because it's uh, I'm a bit surprised to be honest I th- I thought it uh, was done and dusted but I'm rolling my yeah. eyes we'll see maybe Waterman heads to CPL with Pacific mm. lost McNaughton today could be an interesting replacement yeah mm, maybe and they got yeah. Luke Singh back in on loan apparently yeah, yeah. Pacific so they filled that yeah hole. sort of oh man I I don't think Waterman goes back to CPL. I no. don't think so either. I don't think so. I think I, I think mean, he's but... now MLS caliber. Oh yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. Even yeah, even yeah. if he's you know even a rotational caliber, depending on who all is, it makes up the back line. Um, but I think depending on how a defense sets up, particularly if they set up with a back three, I think he definitely has a place in the middle of the back three. That's my preferred position for him, as I have said fifty-seven times. <laughs> well, I mean, if he left if Montreal, he... where would he go? Because he'd be an international on any other yeah. team. He'd have so... to go to a Canadian team, in my opinion. Mm. To Vancouver. Vancouver. I'd still take him. I just don't. We're then got way too many centre backs. <laughs> I know that's like the one position where, yeah. yeah. Toronto, anyone? <laughs> no. Oh, thank you. Not really, man. <laughs> nah. No, no. They've they've got their their DP Mexican centre back coming in. Um, yeah, but no, no, I actually agree. Like technically Toronto could use a center back or eight. So yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But my heart would not be able to take it. So So guys, I think we're good for part one. Yes. Pretty much done. Eva, I'll throw it up to you for social media. Alrighty. So unsurprisingly with the looming match, it focuses mainly on a Canadian men's national team. I think we might've hit on some of these points already, but nonetheless, our first tweet of the day comes from Vincent, uh, says Osorio, Kay, Atiba, and Piet will play a lot. Hoping Liam Frazier is somewhat in shape too. And then too bad, Prizo, Akello, shout out to Hattie. And Zuhir are not ready yet for a call up. And in my mindset, might have to rely on Tybert. So, um, obviously as well, Liam Fraser signed for a Belgian club in the second division this past week. So do we think perhaps he might have a place in the squad now with um, with Eustachio in particular being out? I never understood the hype against, uh, with, with Fraser. Never. <laughs> like, never. I, I think he was pretty good when he was a lot younger and was supposed to get minutes with Toronto, but Toronto never gave him minutes. But I think that the fact that he didn't play when he was younger, now he's kind of not as good, doesn't have that much potential, in my opinion. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I don't think that he's going to be a good player either, like a very good player either. So, no, for me, no no, Liam Frazier. I prefer to to give some uh, a chance to uh, to Okello and to uh, 
to uh, Patton or, or to whatever Mitrovic if you go with a uh, with an with an attacking solution or you know attacking midfielder in this in a squad. I don't know. What do you guys think? Oh boy, I'm not a big fan of Fraser either. To be no, honest, no, I'm not. I mean, okay. I'm I'm pretty. I, I like him sort of as in. I think he's shown, you know, a fair bit. And from what I've seen with him, I thought last year at Columbus, he made the best of, you know, he, he added to a, a team uh, on loan that that kind of, you know, after the championship season, they had a bit of a hangover. I thought he was one of the brighter lights on that team. For me, I'd say right now, there's there's not much of a role for him, but beyond just kind of like he did last year for Canada, which is fill in if needed, five, 10 minutes here. I just want to see how he gets on in Belgium, really. I hope for his sake, his team gets promoted so we can see what he really looks like in the first division and we can see if if, if he's able to make a first step up because from what I've seen, he just adjusts well to the level he plays at. And that, that, those kind of players are hard to gauge because they'll play kind of against a, a weaker team and you might not notice them. But then they'll play, I think of just that that Canada-US game. It's three years now ago now, so it's kind of in the past. But he looked, you know, he, he adjusted well to the level. He didn't look out of place. I think the last year when he came off the bench against Mexico at the Azteca, he was one of the, he had a fantastic yeah. 15 minutes, yeah. if mm-hmm. someone yeah. remembers. Yes. He can play up the level. So I just want to see him, you know, in Belgium go up a level and test himself because I think he has the potential. But it's like Hattie says, he hasn't shown enough yet, and that's mostly just because of opportunity, bad luck. But uh, I'm also... You know, I, I've had a different perspective because I, for some reason, seem to only see his good games. I don't know if Michael remembers correctly. <laughs> there was one in 2019 when Toronto came to to Vancouver. Mm. It was for the this you know 40th anniversary Whitecaps game. Liam Fraser started because there were some injuries in the midfield, and he was man of the match. And for some reason, I always seem to see those games for for from Fraser. So maybe my perspective is uh, is a bit tinted, or how do you describe it because <laughs> of that? Fair I want to throw a name out at you. Okay. Like, I, I still think they might look just for depth domestically. What about bringing Kyle Becker? In? Oh, no, man. Oh, no. I, I don't think he's... You know what? Every time I watch CPL games, I think he's overrated even in the CPL. And, and I mean, like, he's out I'm, of I'm, season I'm, as well. He's not. He's yeah. not in season. Four. Yeah, but they they are they're training for Champions League as yeah, well. Yeah, they are. So they are yeah, in at training. Yeah. Well, I th- but, actually, I don't know if they are in a train yet because I haven't had any anything out from the club to say. I haven't that they seen are. anything. I haven't seen anything. We had Kitsilidopoulos on the show not too long ago. I know that they were starting early. Like they, they are starting early. early. Yeah, I, I think even either they started this week or they're starting next week, if I remember correctly, what Kit uh, told us. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or I don't remember. I, I know that he said end of January, maybe beginning of February. Uh, uh, You'll watch the game, the the episode with Kisselaidopoulos, and you'll have an answer. <laughs> no, but you know what? For me, Kyle Becker is is he's not a bad player. He, he's a very good player in the CPL, but getting Player of the Year for me, it's it's too much. And I, no, I, I don't think he's at the level of the Canadian national team. Not the Canadian national team that that we have right now in 2022. Um, maybe a couple of years ago, yes, he would have. His place in the squad, but not right now. We probably wouldn't need to play him though. It would just be like as a backup. And yeah, they do like to do most. Yeah, yeah, they'd like exactly. this token. Oh, look, no. we are we recognizing the CPL with our squad. Look who the CPL is. I would I I understand where you're coming from in that regard, but like yeah. a let's just mention condescending at the end of the day. Um 
I'd still go for Russell Tybert, honestly, because he's got the veteran experience um, in CONCACAF with Canada. I mean, I have the utmost respect for anybody who suited up with the Canadian national team through those dark, dark years. Um, so I, I'm still, I'm still team Tybert. You can't, you can't talk me off of it. But you know despite what? Despite your faces. But you know what? You know what, Eve? I'm, I'm going to go with you a bit because, you know, what's nice about Tybert is that, is that he can play in multiple positions and mm-hmm. it's always nice yeah. to have, to have someone in the squad with the national team, knowing that you're going to play three games in case you have an injury, you know, Tybert could fit in and slot in in different positions. So maybe that, that could be good to have, you know, as a sixth midfielder to have someone like Russell Tybert. I wouldn't say no. And there is a phrase, Jack of all trades, master of none. (laughs) True. True. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Fair enough. Poor guy. We're not wanting to pile on. You should get Russell in the show. (laughs) Oh my god, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I, I'm gonna be come. sick when I'll he's gonna be on. here. <laughs> no, okay. I I will I will take over the Hattie rule and I will come in with the the, the intense optimism. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, okay. okay. I, 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 yeah, I, I want to see that. <laughs> I'll be the first one to tune in. <laughs> I want to see that as well because there's a prickly interview at times. Oh really? Yeah. Oh lord. Okay, go figure. I would have thought he was like warm and fuzzy. My bad. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm disappointed. If he's talking about BBC World, yes, he. Oh is, yeah, but, uh, he's just about that. Get him on uh, talking wildlife stuff. <laughs> or okay. Okay. Pick the blue planet, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I'll get like goldfish tank going in the background. Um, all right. On. We'll move on though to our next tweet of the week. And it's from S. Alfonso Davies Armano, which is one of my favorite viral tweets um, following the Panama match, of course. Uh, it says Honduras game is probably most important than is sorry, sorry is probably more important than most people care to admit. While Canadian men's national team was more dominant in the first round, Honduras held them. Good news is they've lost four straight and are all but mathematically disqualified. They only have pride to play for. So, you know, earlier, obviously, a lot of the feeling was that perhaps Honduras is maybe the game that Canada could allow to, quote unquote, get away if they wanted to. Um, But then, of course, also talked about the, you know, not wanting to necessarily open back up a door that could be slammed shut on Honduras, um, given a result. So what do you think, like? Do you oh. think it's as important as, as Alfonso Davies Hermano is leading us to believe? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, the, there's one thing is when you're going to play against these teams that have virtually only pride to play for, they're dangerous teams to go out because they're, you know, they don't have to defend that much. They don't have to stick to tactics mm-hmm. that much. They can just go out there and play a bit crazy, and sometimes it works. So, you know, I, I, that's why I'm a bit wary of that Honduras game, and I think we really have to take it seriously because it's it's never going to be an easy task. So I'm pretty much with uh, with uh, Alfonso Davis Armano. That, that's a, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with him. I just like 100%. the name. Let's face it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. We kind of talked about it earlier. Yeah, in yeah. The, the show. Yeah. But what I yeah, I guess kind of to add from what we said earlier. I think we, 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 we have to remember we all kind of attack this from a Canadian perspective. So we're all mm-hmm. kind of, in a sense, mm-hmm. scarred. Because <laughs> if we look at it from just an outside perspective, this is a must-win for Canada. Because if you want to make a World Cup, we talk about it. Win your home games, pick up where you can away. 
well, this is on paper your quote-unquote easiest away game. This is a, a team that's dropping points to everyone else at home. This is a team that's last in the table. They've been struggling. They, you know, they fired their coach not long ago. This is a game as an outsider. You'd want Canada to go and, and win, and if they win, they would make a huge you know, impact towards their World Cup hopes. It, it would be a big one. So I think if, if we're going to say from an outsider perspective, yeah, I could see why it's a, a massive game. I just think we're also scarred by the 8-1 that we're, we're, we're really, we're t- you know, touching it gently like, uh, okay, we're not, you know, we don't want to say Canada should go down there and win 3-0, but I could see why as an outsider uh, who isn't scarred like that. Yeah, I think this is a game that Canada would want to win because it would be massive for, for the World Cup hopes. Yeah, yeah big time. So um, I'll keep us rolling along here. So this is CF Montreal related, and I will go ahead and translate it. Um, so Thank this you. Is... <laughs> <laughs> so it's in relation to a rumor that came out this week that uh, CF Montreal is one of several MLS clubs interested in the American right back Shaq. Moore, who currently plays with Tenerife in uh, the Spanish second division. So anyway, uh, Alberto Mora A said that CF Montreal needs a left back unless ZBG is uh, leaving the club. So what what all do we think about this, this Shaq Moore rumor? Um, a, that he's a right back. B, that it, it might be a loan move, possibly. Um Kind of what? What do, mm. do do any of you know much about Shaq Moore? I've never heard of him. I didn't know <laughs> if it was just me or I was just going to play quiet here and go. <laughs> oh yeah, he's been he has been capped with the US. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've seen I've seen him play maybe once with the US, but I don't know much about him. But you know, looking at his profile, we don't need the right back. No, we exactly. just don't no. need the right wing back or a right back. Like even if ZBG goes. You have you have uh, Alistair Johnston and you have Mathieu Chouinier that can play as a right wing back that's better as a right wing back than as a left wing back. So if you need something, I completely agree with Beto Alberto Mora uh, that says that we need a left wing back. We don't need a right wing back. So no, please, no, I, no, I I've don't been saying it's like late in the season. Yeah, Montre- mm-hmm. Montreal needs a left left back or left wing back depending on what they they prefer to play with and Um, you know i I still really believe in zbg even though he started so well last year and kind of faded i think he's much better than what he he showed at the end of the season so i think montreal should should invest in him and just just you know live or die with him because he, he i think he's good enough to do so now uh, we do need a left back. And it's funny because I, I, I listened to, I think it was Dave Levesque who asked the question to Mathieu Chouagnard this weekend, one of the pressers. He asked Mathieu Chouagnard if he considers himself a left back or a mid- central midfielder who is playing at left back. And he answered, I consider myself a central midfielder playing at left back. And I was a bit surprised, you know, by the answer, knowing you know, the personality of Mathieu Chouagnard and stuff. But that's, that kind of shows the, the need where it is. It's mm-hmm. definitely at left back. Mustafa Kiza never panned out. I don't think Zoran Basong is a sustainable starter. So mm-hmm. we shouldn't be going after right backs. It's at left back that we definitely need to be there. So yeah. yeah. I guess a, a few points to to hop in on. First of all, I'm surprised no one is recognizing Shaq Moore's name because he 
the reason I, I remember him right away is because you guys watched the Canada US game at last summer's yeah. Cup, did you? Yeah. He scored in the first minute of that game. Yeah. And that's why I can't forget that name. <laughs> that. He's, he's, he's the one who he was a right back. He somehow ended up in the box for that low oh, cross true. that went in and put that it was in. Hot mess. Yeah. I, I, I just remember that because I remember writing a headline about Shaq Moore, and I don't think I'll ever do that again. I that <laughs> that so I, his name was stuck in my head because of that. Even you know, he had a good game that game. The the U.S. You know, they 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 won that game. Canada played well, so that's just why I think of Shaq Moore. As for Montreal, yeah, I like Zachary Brogier a lot. I think you know, hopefully he can find his form again. Last year, if I'm not mistaken, he had a a, a death close to him. I think it was a friend halfway through the yeah. season. Yeah. So you have to imagine that obviously got into his head. Yes. He's a young guy. That kind of stuff can really impact someone. So. Hopefully he can step up. And all I'd say is if I'm Montreal, you say left back, would it not make perfect sense for them to go after Diadine Abzi? Yeah, of course. Yes. Oh, yes. We want him. We want him. <laughs> we want him. And we wanted Mohamed Farsi, but it didn't happen. So I was I, okay I if we didn't go with Mohamed Farsi because he's on the right-hand side of the field. Yes. I'm like, yeah. all, all I do is say to the left. I'm like, I'm going to have to, you know what? I live right by Olympic Stadium where the train. I'm going <laughs> to get a boom box. And I'm gonna play Beyonce, like to the left, to the left, to the left. And because you know Olivia Renard is at training pretty much every day, so that's my new game plan: is to try to convince them some some other way. Oh no! So the giant cut cut out of Diadine Abzi's head. Over the top. Don't put up. Actually, I'm getting I'm getting my third dose at, at uh, the at the Big O tomorrow. Um, so I will probably be there at the same time. No, they have team has a holiday tomorrow. Ah, oh, darn it. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll have to maybe I'll rebook my third dose. Man, uh, <laughs> I, I'm so pissed that I wasn't able to to go to the training camp yet. Uh, for those for the people who are listening, the reason why I'm not there and you haven't seen any pictures from training camp, my son has COVID, so I'm stuck at home. And I can't do anything. Uh, it's going to be for 10 days. I'm going to be stuck at home. So I'm going to miss the whole team. But leaving on Wednesday, and I'll still be confined at home. So, uh, yeah, no pictures, nothing from the training camp for me this year. And I really don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been out to the White Cats one yet because I wanted to wait till I got my third booster, which I just mm. got last week. So I was all set to go tomorrow. And then I find out they're not training tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, anyway, like uh, I'm planning to reschedule mine just because, just so I can I can get my my. It'll give me some time to make my uh, abs cut out as well. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Alrighty. Um. So yeah. Anyway, it seems like we're kind of all in agreement that Shaq Moore might not necessarily be the best fit for no, Montreal. No. Um. So awesome. Glad to hear it. With that being said, we have Rob Quigley born. 319 parts per minute. Interesting. Um, this is related to uh, the the call-ups for the Canadian men's national team as well. Um, so he says, I'd have preferred having Hoylet's bulk and experience, but the Canadian men's national team with David and the two other threats in front um, being, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe, if I recall correctly, it was Laren and Buchanan. Um, and a solid back end will beat the U.S. by two oh, wow. goals. And so this was created on January 21st, for reference. So I believe prior to Eustachio's uh, COVID diagnosis coming out. 
But Rob, despite obviously the absence of um, Davies, which was well known at the time, was still awfully confident. So he was answering to a tweet that said, um, the U.S. Uh, Canada will never be able to beat the U.S. Yeah. without Alfonso Davies. So, uh, mm-hmm. and and you know what? Uh, I, I I can't make a, a bold statement like him <laughs> saying that they're going to win by two goals. But I don't think that the fact that we don't have Davies that means that we don't have a chance. I don't I don't really agree right. with that. Uh, I think that Canada still has a chance even without Alfonso Davies. So uh, yeah. let's wait and see. But we're we're not a one man team by far. No, exactly, exactly. No, no, and I mean we talked about you know the litany of players who may or may not be part of the window. Yeah. Um, it'll be really interesting tomorrow. So, but two goals? You you guys yeah, still that's... confident? Two goals? No, I didn't say two goals. On the on the, on the Spitzky, Hamilton <laughs> snowy turf. Uh, it's a stretch. Uh, if anything, all I'd say is. Yeah, no, two goals definitely not. That's way too bold. <laughs> I just say the U.S. doesn't always look that good away, partially because yeah. they never play away. They play away like three <laughs> times a year because they host all the tournaments. Yes. That's the one advantage I think you, you do have if you're Canada. If they can lean into the home advantage and they, you know, be all absurd about it, maybe one goal without Davies. But yeah, two goals, that's, no. that's a very bold <laughs> statement. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's especially the U.S. now, they've got most of their big guns back. I, I wouldn't be bold enough to, to proclaim that, but maybe one goal. I'll say one goal. Yeah, me possibly. too. I'm with you, Alex. Okay, one goal. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. One goal still for bold. Canada, if not for the U.S., okay? I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm still calling you bold nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. And our final tweet of the evening, uh, also related to, of course, the upcoming match. Um, this was just following the announcement of Eustachio's um, probable absence due to COVID. It says, Piet Osori, uh, sorry, uh, name at Rotor Todd Footy, said, the Piet Osorio Cavallini super friends are going to carry this window. Save this tweet. So which statement is bolder? Rob's previous statement? Or this particular statement, Rob. This one. <laughs> oh, I see that one too. Yeah. Me yeah. Too. <laughs> hmm. yeah. Um, I don't even know if Alter are gonna start, you know, together or something. No. Nah. It's really Cavallini and Piet because like Azorio's yeah. already yeah. kind of had and a good, probably... you know, run. He, he scored in. He's Mexico usually and... getting a start. Yeah. yeah. Do we think he could score? Like the last time he scored, we have to remember was what? It was when they March. It came in Islands. Everyone got a goal that game. <laughs> no, he scored since then, has he not? He, he had two more. I think it wasn't he's, it was the Aruba the... game. I think it was I say I thought he'd scored in these World Cup qualifiers. I not think in the he scored in the octagon, though. Because he's played like five minutes because he missed the first two windows with injury. Yeah. And then the, he only played five minutes in the Mexico game. Yeah. And he was defending. It was probably I mean, he, almost He there. was with him for the Gold Cup. Did he score the Gold Cup? I don't think he scored at the Gold Cup. No, because I remember at one point I've been tracking a stat. His last goal was July 4th against Dallas. And he left wow. from that to go to the Gold Cup. So mm-hmm. it was before. I think it was the Aruba game, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. That's just off the top wow. of my head. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so, yeah. I'm looking. I'm looking at uh, at uh, transfer market to see. And yes, he scored the last two goals that he scored were on the sixth of June, 
and he scored the two goals against Aruba. You're completely right, Alex. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> nah, okay, so slightly ambitious. Yeah, no, no not yeah. for me, man. Kava scoring <laughs> is slightly ambitious, I think, just in general. Oh, boy. Right now. Oh wow! Oh boy! Oh dear! Alrighty. So anyway, uh, those were some some bold statements, some hot takes um, to round out social media for the week. And with that, I'm gonna hand it off to you, Sam. Yes, it's my turn for Hadi's favorite game, and Tristan too. Tristan, I'm not forgetting <laughs> choices. So I'll let the bell ring, and we'll start right away. There you go. Uh, guys, I've got two choices. It's been a long show. We'll, we'll not go on forever with choices, but I've got some two tough ones for you guys. And the first one is from a Vancouver perspective. So Eve and Hadi, you have, and myself, obviously, you have to put yourself as a Vancouver fan. Um, you can choose only one of these two situations to win a game. Please explain what, which one you choose and why. A Western Conference final versus a Cascadia rival at home or a Canadian champ- uh, Canadian Championship final versus Toronto away. Oh, easy. <laughs> Don't forget, you're, you're a Vancouver fan. Oh. <laughs> That's fun. It is. I, I would... Pro- See, the, re- the reason that I was going to, I was pretty sure as I started that sentence what my answer was, and then I changed my mind as, <laughs> after I got two words out. Because with the Canadian Championship, you've got silverware and you're in the Champions League. Exactly. But Western Conference Final gets you into an MLS Cup. At home. At home. Ah, uh, at home. I'd have to go with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with Michael. I'm going with the the, you know... Playing at home for me, such a big game, is is fantastic for the fan base. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm taking it home game. Club in the city. The it it would change everyone in the city's view of the club yeah. that they were contenders. Mm-hmm. Like Canadian Championship, as much as we all love it, the general fan base really it's don't care. Really niche. Yeah. 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 True. True. So Honestly. yeah, I'd have to go with one. Okay. It's the Toronto that throws it off for me, just because like <laughs> if it was like away against Montreal, because I mean, yes, if you, the 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 older, you know, the you know the Whitecaps fans that have been around longer for yes. them, it means more to beat Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. We have to remember for most of the MLS era, you know, it's it's been Toronto, and, and it's just it's Toronto. It's it hasn't really been a rivalry just because they've kind of beat up on Vancouver, and I know a lot of people in Toronto. Whenever they talk about Vancouver. For them, they may as well be talking about a USL League Two club. I think just the fact that it's a, a, a final in Toronto, the Whitecaps winning that would be a good way to you know get back at them for all the you know the Will Johnson late winner at BC oh, Place yeah. in 2016 and some of those other memories. Why so did you I, have to bring that up? So that because of that, I would go for the the final in Toronto just because it would it might not you know resonate as much with the casual fan because I think yes, if you beat say Portland or Seattle in BC Place, there would be. You could get 40,000 fans oh, at yes. least of you know five thousand at least away fans. It would be a phenomenal atmosphere. Don't get me wrong, but also just beating Toronto on their own turf would also be so satisfying. So for, to be the contrary, and I'll go for the Toronto. That's uh, one, what just I'm because going of history. for. Okay, okay, yeah. Eddie. 
Oh, I said I'm I'm with Michael. Oh my I'm, bad, I missed I'm, it. I'm, I'm with Michael it. for sure, for sure. I'm I'm going, you know, you know, beating and you know playing at home in the Western Conference Final. It's it's everything. It's really everything. And you know, I'm 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 one of the um, one of the guys that really was completely against uh, you know the new format, the new MLS playoffs format, yeah, one uh, the one tie game. Yeah. And I'm still. I know that. It, Maybe it's a lot more exciting for the neutrals, but for fans that go to the game every 34 games, or like 17 games of the in the year, uh, you know, having their team qualify in seventh uh, seventh position and not seeing not even one playoff game at home, for me, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't like that. I don't no. like that. So yeah, home game, a home playoff game, a home Western final playoff game, man, any time of the week, like any day. Any day. In that scenario, do we host the MLS Cup as well? Uh, it's not said. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's the, that's the beauty of choices. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it stops where it is. Uh, so, guys, it's two two now. Uh, should I? Should I? Uh, yes. Should I be the one who decides. Do um, it. Do it. I, ah, he stuck I go, with his I, own choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I, I go with the Canadian Championship, and you know what? Um, That's right, uh, Sam. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, you beat Toronto. Uh, oh wait, you you beat them. See, in that's their clouding that's your judgment. Your and it's a good away day if you don't get beat up. Wait, but uh, I. I Champions League football is fantastic, fantastic. Mm. And we, we've lived in Montreal a, a run in the Champions League. It's absolutely nuts. So, uh, I mean, I, I'd prefer to see Vancouver, yeah. too, in that situation. Think, than, yeah, and rival, I think you could so. definitely get casuals on board for a Champions League oh, yeah. run. Yeah, well, the popular, Montreal's popularity, like, skyrocketed yeah. from that, that, you know, Porter's goal and everything else that, that ensued. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so we had Tigris here, and I genuinely can't remember if that sold out or not. No, it was. It didn't, yeah, it was it, that that night was. I remember because it, it was raining quite hard, and they opened the roof for once yeah. just to try to freeze the Mexicans. Was there the quote, <laughs> the quote about it? But the, yeah, that's the problem with Vancouver. It's not that people wouldn't be interested in the Champions League. It's just here. It's Saturday nights or Saturdays and Sundays outsell the weekdays by a significant margin. Like if you look at all the, unless it's playoffs, I think all the games that have been on the weekends outsell the the weekday games. Like it's stark. There were some years where it'd be you'd go on a weekend game, it would be thirty thousand, say for Seattle, and then in the midweek it would be you know a good game. Uh, you know, say against a wouldn't be a rival. Let's say like a like Salt LA, Lake, it would be yeah. like eight. 12 15,000 like it would be yeah. like a stark difference so that's the problem with the champions league that it's on that midweek so you'd yeah. really it would take a big effort to convince people to, to come yeah that. but that's like a regular that's a regular season match you're talking about right whereas um you know especially with the the current format for champions league it's it's direct it's too legged but still it's direct elimination so there, there's more of it on the line even if it's midweek yeah. Well, the Whitecaps had it. I think it was. Was it? Uh, was it a quarterfinal at the time, or was it a semifinal? I, I want to say it was two. the semi, but I think it was, it was a semi. Because I think it was the old format where you had the group stage and you went yeah. to a quarterfinal instead of around to sixteen. So I think it. I mean, we can double check just because I think yeah. it would. The year would have been twenty sixteen. I think uh, it was the last year of it. Yeah. yeah. It was. The, it was the semifinal, and it was in twenty seventeen. Okay. 
Oh yeah, it was because yeah, I remember Alfonso Davies scored a famous yeah. Champions League goal yeah. on that in that run. So yeah. I mean, it shows Vancouver hosted a Champions League semifinal yeah, and barely like... got 15k. So it yeah. shows how much work would have to wow. against Tigris as well. So like yeah, a big like, team, a name. Gignac oh. was coming here. That's a name that most people know. Vargas, wow. if you've been like, I remember that game. I was uh, for oh, me, I was so Rick hyped. Shea, that big draw. Oh, Why would you not go and watch Rick him? Shea. You talk about Gignac and then you talk about Breck <laughs> Shea right after. He yeah. scored. <laughs> he put us back in the time. Yeah, Breck, Breck Shea scored a, in the second minute, I think it was too. Oh, like, wow. it was early goal. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> okay, guys. So that's oh, uh, that's Breck really interesting. Cool. Um, the last choice. And uh, going back to our uh, old narrative. So you are uh, Olivier Renard, and this is for Eve's mother. You are sitting in your office with some nice tea. And a plug inside the league calls you and hits you with this present information. Crepo uh, is going to LAFC for $1 million in GAM, but Vancouver love Georgi Mihailovic. And your plug tells you that. Vancouver could accept to trade Kripo, a first-round pick, and 200k in GAM for Georgi Mihailovic and Bjorn Janssen. Oh. Do you do it and why? So they pick he up Janssen's contract. <laughs> Are you saying so Kripo's not gone in LAFC? No, the only reason he's not gone yet because they're waiting for Olivier Ganal's answer. Uh, answer. Okay, and can you repeat? So, so, so the trade sending... is Kripo... Yeah. A first rounder and 200k in gam for Mihailovic and Johnson. That's it. Yeah. Nah, I wouldn't do it. Not at all. Yeah. Like that, we're what... gonna have Crepeau, but we also have Pentemis and Breza and Mihailovic. We've been wanting a number 10 for maybe 10 years, and we finally have one. <laughs> If we're sending him away, I I'm, I need a lot of money or a lot of good players. So, uh, no, uh, I, I don't agree. Okay. But you get rid of Janssen's contract. I don't care, man. Okay. Yo, we're, that's we're, like... we're able to buy out. We're able to buy out his mm -hmm. contract, right? Don't forget, guys, that we were allowed to one buy out every yeah, year. Yeah, so... well, still hasn't happened. <laughs> it won't happen. But it might still happen. Time. You never know. There's still that's... time. Exactly. Mike has said Tick, it. Tick tock, yo. Yeah, get on it with Olivier Renard. But I mean, yeah, yeah. But honestly, the perspective of the trade, I think, is clouded by the fact that Crepo wants out. Because if you're the Whitecaps, that's that's an awesome deal. Like, you have a goalie yeah. who's already on his way out. You just had a draft pick, which whatever, you know, theoretically, you want to be relying on your academy mm -hmm. anyways. You know, 200K at jam, you, or GAM, sorry, you supposedly got a boatload of it. You're getting away with three assets you don't really need. You get a, you know, a guy like Georgi Mihailovic, I guess supposedly the Whitecaps don't need. But in this hypothetical, no, yeah. I take I take that player. You know, you take a good player and you figure out the the pieces around him. Uh, so yeah, if maybe if you're Montreal, it's just the fact that Crepo wants out. You probably have a little more leverage than having to give away a player of Mihailovic's, uh, you know, stature. Especially, you know, like even had he mentioned, if you can buy him out, if you can buy out Johnson in the first, you know, first place, do you really? He's kind of seems to be the reason the trade is happening. He seems to kind of be the the anchor you're you're kind of get rid of uh, trying to get rid of. So I think maybe if the player isn't Crepo, it's someone else. Then it gets a lot more interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I you agree. you talk about the Whitecaps needs. Say you're throwing out a name, you, or you know Montreal needs a left back. Say it's someone like Christian Gutierrez. Yeah. All of a sudden, Gutierrez for Johnson, could... I'll do it. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, we'll say say it's you know Gutierrez five hundred thousand for Mihailovic or you know and oh. Johnson. Then we could start to get into a, an interesting mm-hmm. discussion. But I yeah. think for 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 Vancouver, it's too much of a no brainer. And if you're Montreal, you just you say no. Okay, mm-hmm. Michael. Okay, Gutierrez <sighs> one million in Gam. Johnson and Edward Johnson and Mihailovic. I'll do it. <laughs> or Sirois. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, I think if you're Vancouver, you take that deal, even though you don't really need Jordy, but you'd find a way to fit him in somehow. Yeah. You'd, yeah. You'd, you'd make that work. Montreal, I think they could look at it as, oh, right, the fan base don't like us because of the whole name thing. They were mad because we let Cripo go. Now we're bringing him back. This would maybe be a little way to make amends. Prodigal son returns home. We do get a dead weight off our roster mm-hmm. that that we want to do i think they would maybe do it there's other tens out there i know mm-hmm. it would maybe put you in a mess initially but i think long term it would be beneficial to montreal mm. interesting eve oh my god i can't believe i'm gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> no <laughs> oh, like, i, I I mean, I will send I will send Bjorn Johnson free of charge. Like, go ahead. Um, I would you know. genuinely take him. I like him. Fantastic. Take him. It's done. <laughs> on a free. I'm not joking. On a free. Have him. He um, was really nice on his intro- introductory press conference because I jumped in that and I thought, what a nice man. Yeah, he's very nice. And I think he must be. And so I I really do feel bad for kind of the um the amount of stick I give him on our pod. Like I have nothing against the human, just to be clear. But for the player, you know, we had Eric Chenois with us, and he made he did a Herculean effort to make a case for Bjorn Johnson, which was all about you know his his body like uh, hold up space or using his body. Yeah, and I was like, bro a million plus dollars a year for two goals no um so anyway um no i actually think no i actually really think no i think georgi mihailovic um is really really important because whoever is up top gets that service from him and i think it would really put a stick in between montreal's wheels to to be hamstrung so close to the start of the season and start of Champions League without a playmaker. Um, so solely based on that, no. All right. All right. So go ahead and take the one. Uh, yeah. Eddie? Sam, what's your opinion? I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. Okay. Uh, keep okay. Uh, keep Georgie. And yeah, if you have to buy out uh, Johnson, you do it. But I, I, I still want to give him a couple of games, you know, and, and try but then because... but then no because then he's on the, the the salary um i don't even know how to say it in english the salary cap yeah. he's he's on the salary cap for the year whereas if you do it in the off season he's not and that frees up that budget space so yeah, no i don't want to give him a couple games yeah but I, i'm assuming he's staying anyways i, I don't think okay, they're gonna enough. buy him uh... out so he only um, has a contract for a year, right? Yeah, His contract so... runs out at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think, and, and you know what? Again, I, we said it a few times here on the Balls Round. We joke a lot on Bjorn Johnson, but you never know. You know, he, he could be very good for us this year. So sometimes it takes yeah. a while for, for some players. And, you know, one of one player that I could name is Gignac. Again, 
Uh, yeah. Alex talked about him uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. Gignac, when he came to Marseille, his first year, his first two years were really bad. And then he started picking up and he started scoring goals, uh, you know, dozens of goals. And, and he started being, you know, our, our best, the best striker for Marseille. So some players take time to adjust to their new environment. So we'll see if uh, Bjorn Johnson is, uh, is the, this kind of player. We'll never yeah. know. We'll see. Absolutely. Thank you for playing choices, guys. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> and thank you for being on the show, uh, Michael and Alex. It was really, really interesting. Great to have you. And if um, just just quickly, if our listeners want to, to hit you up on social media, where can they find you, uh, Alex? Uh, yeah, you can just find me on Twitter at Alex Gange Ruzik. Pretty much all my stuff is on there. So uh, you can see what I'm up to. Uh, lots of, yeah, mostly just white caps. Uh, Canada men's and women's national team and CPL whenever I can. Uh, I'm going to be moving back out to Toronto soon for school for a few months. So I'll be getting stuck Ooh. into what I can around there. I know it sucks. It's going to, I'm going to wear my Vancouver badge proudly for those there three months go. I'm in Toronto, but uh, it'll be good. Cause I'll try to, you know, check out forge in the champions league. Nice. Maybe I'll head over to Montreal to check out the champions league, some games nice. like that, obviously Canada playing at home. So yeah. lots to look forward to. So I'll be covering all that. So if you guys find, you can find me all of that stuff uh, there. But Definitely. it was a pleasure to be on the show. First of all, thanks to to you guys. It was, it was th- three hours flew by. Shows how I know it was to, to chat and just bring up some of these awesome like choices and all this <laughs> stuff like that. It was a good time. Uh, thank you, Alex. Man, it's a pleasure to have you. And Michael, I swear to start by saying Alex's stuff that he does as deep dives on the national team, men and women, is fantastic. So if you aren't familiar with his stuff, definitely check it out. Some of the the best coverage that, that's out there. Um, I'm found on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can find all our stuff, AFTN.ca, all our podcasts and stuff on that. I'll just plug our latest one. We've got a, a long one. Not as long as this. I thought mine's were long at like two and a half hours, but this, <laughs> this has pipped me. Um, we've got a couple of interviews in that with some with TSS about League One BC and Kwame Rua, David Egbo and Theo Bear as well. Oh. So check all that stuff out. Cool. Cool. And thank you for being here, Michael. Uh, thanks, Hadi and Eve. As usual, it was a pleasure. And a big shout out to CanFC for the platform. Thank you to all our listeners who logged in or listened during the week on the podcast version. It's great to have you and to hear from you on Twitter and Facebook and wherever you find us. So uh, until next time, have a great week and we'll catch you next week for another episode of The Ball is Round.